Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 106, RFK Jr., no backup plan. RFK Jr. has now acknowledged that he knows the DNC will most likely rig the primaries, but also that he has no backup plan if he loses. What are your thoughts? And I see we already got people lined up here. Let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. All right, you are on the mic. Hey, Sabi, what's up? Uh, good uh, Tuesday evening to you. Let's get started. Hello. So, um, so I didn't hear. That was did he say this in a recent interview? Because I, I was not aware of that he admitted this. Yes, uh, there were two interviews. One was with Russell Brand, and that's where he admitted that uh, the super delegates are going to give a hundred percent to Joe Biden. And the second interview was breaking points where he admitted he has no backup plan. Okay, well, maybe this was like, I, I don't know if it's like his I, or plan all along, but maybe he just ran like as a message campaign. Because like, because I'm sure like some some people just run just to push like a message, don't they? Like, because I'm sure many people know that they're not going to win. But if that's the case, then that's what you say. Um, he hasn't said that. He said that he plans to win. Um, it was interesting because he said he said he knows about the superdelegates, how they're going to give it to Joe Biden on Russell Brand, uh, Brand's show. So if the superdelegates give it to Joe Biden, then you can't win the primary. That's just the reality of the situation, right? But then when he was on breaking points, he said when Crystal did ask him, if you lose – is there a backup plan? Like, are you going to run as independent or third party? And he said, I have no backup plan. I intend to win. So those are two. It's a contradictory uh, statement there to say on Russell Brand that, you know, the superdelegates are going to give it to Joe Biden or Joe Biden. But then you go on to breaking points and you say you plan to win. Well, you can't win if the superdelegates give it to Joe Biden. You see the problem? Maybe he's saying this because he doesn't want to get uh, suicided by the CIA because uh, he's been saying stuff that many people are would be unhappy with right now. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that as well. But at the same time, he's had no problem saying all this other stuff he's been saying about the CIA recently. You know, like he's been in interviews, multiple interviews where he's admitted that the CIA uh, killed his his uncle which is JFK, like he's admitted this. Um, and so my thing is, I think you would be more worried about making those statements instead of, yes, I do have another plan. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 do you, what, what are your thoughts on what he uh, recently admitted about the superdelegates and stuff? Well, it confirms what some people have been asking me. So I've had people reach Oops. out to me uh basically within the past couple of weeks. And they've been asking me like, do you think that RFK understands what the Democratic Party is going to do to him? Like how they're going to rig it and everything. And I referred them to that interview that he had with Kim Iverson, where she did ask him if he lost, is he going to tell people to support Joe Biden? And his response to Kim was that, well, I feel like you have no faith in my campaign, Kim. And she was like, no, it's not you I'm concerned about. I just don't have faith in the Democratic Party. And I know that they're, they're what they're going to try to do to you. And he never really answered that question, like whether he would tell people to do that. But he was asked that question again on Breaking Points interview recently. 
and he told Breaking Points that he would not support any candidate that supports the war. So that would be a no to Joe Biden, but that would also be a no to Marianne Williamson too, because they asked about both of them. And Marianne also still supports sending the funding uh, to the war, which would keep the war going. Now, maybe she may change her position later on. I do not know. But right now that would be a no for her too. And then Crystal also pushed and asked him, well, does that mean that you would support Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump does not support the war. And he said, no, I wouldn't support Donald Trump because we disagree on too many issues. Yeah, I, I uh, didn't uh, uh, know that. Well, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he does, like, at least, like, quietly endorses Biden or supports Biden. Because he, I, I, I know on Jimmy's show, like, it was, like, a few weeks before he uh, officially ran, he still says that he loves the Democratic Party. Um, so I would not be uh, surprised. Um, uh, I'm actually surprised about how well he's doing in the polls. I'm not because I covered his announcement on the ground here in Boston and most of the people that I did get a chance to chat with, they did not care about the criticism that he was getting from mainstream media about uh, his stances on vaccine. They cared more about the fact that he was anti-war. So that was a big, big message for a lot of people that come out and support him because of the fact that he's speaking out against the wars and calling out the military industrial complex. So uh, that in itself was enough to garner support among people. And I think that right now in the Democratic Party, he's the only one running on that message. So that is something that makes him stand out from Joe Biden and from uh, Marianne. Now, that being said, uh, you know, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to, to see if I can interview him. If I get the opportunity to do so, I'm going to ask him about his position on health care because I don't see anything on his website about health care. Really? Okay. No, I thought he was for Medicare for all. Maybe I was wrong. Okay. Um, no, I, I, no, I see him. I haven't seen him say anything about that. And I, and I asked that question because as someone who is an environmental lawyer, which he is, you know, the type of health issues that people living in those neighborhoods that have been affected by environmental pollution have to deal with years down the line. Uh, Aaron Brockovich also covered this a lot too, right? Like that's how she became, you know, pretty much famous is because like she was able to call out environmental pollution and how people, I forget the name of the town, but people in that town that she went to were developing cancer because they were exposed like to environmental pollution. So my thing is, if you're an environmental lawyer, you know about those things too, not just Aaron Brockovich. So where do you stand on the healthcare issue? And that's why I was kind of surprised not to see a healthcare position on his platform. I have not heard Robert F. Kennedy Jr. say he supports Medicare for all. Now, I didn't watch the full interview with Breaking Points. At the time, I only saw that that three-minute clip was posted when they asked him, you know, the question about the, the plan B. But um, I think Roger just sent me something in a Twitter DM telling me that the full interview was up now. So maybe... During that full interview, maybe Crystal may have asked him about where he stands on Medicare for all. I'm not sure, but I'll have is to there, check. Is there nothing about healthcare on his website? Because most of these candidates mm. have like a bunch of uh, positions that they hold on their website. So I checked his website before I went to cover the event on the ground. There was nothing there. And I checked his website again 
uh, when I reached out for the interview and there was nothing about where he stood on healthcare there either. I think during his announcement speech, he may have said that um, that people should have health care, but I didn't see anything about like we should I'm for Medicare for all like that's something that you need to like, I think, publicly announce just like Bernie Sanders did. Right. Like you need to tell people like Medicare for all. Um, I haven't heard him say those words. I'll check the site again. But that's another question that people viewers have been reaching out to me asking about like does he support medicare for all and i'm like so far i have not not seen that and during that announcement speech he didn't say that okay well thanks for telling me that Sabi. i didn't know this uh and last thing are you surprised that people are surprised that there's not going to be any debates because i thought that was like the most obvious conclusion ever it's obvious to us it's obvious to those of us that either work in this space or we actively participate in this space by being a viewer or an activist or we canvass for like progressive candidates at one point it's obvious to us but when i talk to people who are not watching independent media with which most americans are not they are very surprised by this and some of them don't even know that Joe Biden has challengers. Like this was just said to me a couple of days ago. Someone told me, well, nobody's challenging Joe Biden. And I was like, uh, Joe Biden has two challengers. They had no idea. I don't know. What I meant was like the people that like are supporting or pushing Marianne Williamson. That, that's what I, I didn't mean like random people on the street. Um, but like, oh, like are you, oh, are they surprised? Yeah, no, I just people? don't because like, cause I, I, I know the interview with Nick and I, I think you were there too back in January, you know, the, the uh, infamous interview with Marianne Williamson. She was like, oh, well, you know, I'm running the Democratic Party because in the Democratic primary, I can, hey, Joe Biden, I'm going to make you debate me. And I was like, wait, what? In what universe would he debate you? But you know what, though, Karthik? I told people back then, if you guys remember on my show, I told you, I said, Joe Biden does not have to debate you. Yeah, and, that's and very doesn't. true. And it it turns out I was right. Like, it's it's true. Just like Donald Trump didn't debate any of his primary challengers in 2020. Yeah, no, yeah. two people right against him. It was Joe Walsh, who was a congressman, and then Bill Weld, who was a former uh, Massachusetts governor, I think. Yeah, yeah, Bill Weld. Bill Bill Weld was kind of like an old school Republican. Like it's different from the type of Republican that you see. Yeah, today. it was like Bob Dole type. Yeah, yeah, it, it was different. And also, you got to think about what Republican means in reference to Massachusetts. Because, like for example, our governor, our recent governor Charlie Baker, was a Republican, but Charlie Baker also supported like some of the universal programs like he was he was a republican but like at the same time like he still supported like lgbtq rights he still supported like the social the social justice issues so he's like so, joe biden uh basically so he's a democrat so. pretty much yeah like what some people refer to as a moderate republican that's kind of how a republican politician in massachusetts is they're not like a trump or um Actually, I would even say a George W. Bush. They're not like that. Yeah, no, I know that the Republican governors in Vermont and Maryland, Massachusetts are a little different. Um, and pe people don't know this, but in 2012, Obama also had a primary challenger, but like obviously there was no traction because there was, you know, debates or whatever. Because I, I know last time an incumbent president was debated was like 43 years ago with um, Jimmy Carter and um, Ted Kennedy. Which is why I'm shocked that people are just assuming that really, you really think that there, there's going to be a debate six months from now? Yeah, I, just like, I, I'm not sure if they're lying on purpose or if they just really 
don't know like like uh, the last 40 years of history. No, they really don't know the last 40 years of history. Like they most Americans are not aware of No, no I'm not talking about random people. I'm, I'm I'm talking about people that I've been like pushing Mary Wilson and like supporting her, you know, that follow politics like us. Like no, Mary Wilson no. really thought that well according to her, you know, maybe she was lying, but she really acted like there was going to be a debate 6 months from now just like how the RNC is having debates. But we tried to we tried to tell her like it just like no that's not how this that's not how this works it was different when you ran for president in 2020 there wasn't a sitting democrat in the white house this time it's different but yeah i think a lot of people especially like uh younger people like some of the gen z population some of my former students have reached out about this as well they're like i can't believe they're not going to allow debates like you know it's it's a, it's a younger generation and they may not be aware of what happened with ted kennedy and and jimmy carter and things like that yeah. and, and and since then you know, I'm talking about people that like, you know, are political because I'm really like, because as a former fan of Kyle, I really wonder like if he seriously thought there's going to be a debate, but you know, nobody. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to people that like follow politics, like, you know, like me and you and, I, and everybody else on the call. Like, did he, like, do these people really think there's good, there was ever going to be a debate? Like, I, I don't know. Y'all. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a mind reader. It's just tough. Well, I remember tell. when I did that episode where I said, um, you know, when Crystal said that too, and I was like, why is Crystal shocked? Like we knew, I think a lot of us knew that this was going to happen, that they, he could just easily say, no, I'm not going to debate you because, and it's not even just the Democratic Party. Like I said, the Republican Party has done this as well. So I don't know why they even thought that Joe Biden would even entertain debating Marianne Williamson or RFK Jr. Uh, that would be the right thing to do. But when have we known the DNC to do the right thing? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, anyway, Sabi, thanks for talking to me. I'll uh, see you later. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karthik. Okay, Roger, I'm going to come back to you. I'll go to Eric and then I'll pull in Robin. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I was just thinking about how we, we were talking about at the uh, at the end of the show, the um, the idea of Biden resigning under pressure. You know, I, I think if you started seeing some indictment or not, you know, in investigations, let's say, and, and things coming down the, down the pike and there, and then all of a sudden he has to resign for health reasons, you know, all of a sudden, and you have, like, if they're going to do that, they, they have to, they must, they must, they must feel like there's a clock ticking because if they're going to install president Biden, president Harris, as weird and, and hard to imagine it as that is, <laughs> Um, they would still do it because they put in Biden. So if they're going to install President Harris, like they're going to have to, they're going to have to do it pretty soon. I mean, they, they must feel like they would want to do it pretty soon. Maybe I don't know. I mean, they they can't leave it to the last minute because because then you know then she she would be seen as as very weak. Like I I would think that that they want to kind of get, get her in there and, and get her established and, and then hide her. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Yeah. I, I have a feeling, I really do feel like that's what they're going to try to do. You guys. Like, I think their goal is like, okay, let's just get Biden reelected and then we will swap him out with Kamala, like push him to resign and make Kamala president. By the way, that would be a disaster. Um, I think Americans would be very angry about that, except for the people who are like the K-Hive, you know, stands that love <laughs> Kamala. I feel like Kamala can do no wrong like ever, like they'll be happy. But I think a lot of people 
would just kind of be like, no, no, no. Uh, she's not ready for this. She's not prepared. And I really think that's what's happening behind the scenes. I think they feel like their best way of winning is to just keep Biden for now, just get him through the door one more time and then go ahead and force him to resign and then tell Kamala Harris to step up. And then they could be like, look, first black Asian female president, aren't you guys happy? Can you and not get behind if that, that happens? <laughs> Yeah. And if that happens, by the way, this country is going to be a complete disaster because Kamala Harris, she's struggling to do her own job to, to be vice president. She doesn't know how to answer questions and interviews. And it's just a disaster. Could you imagine her running the freaking country? And you want to talk about protests? If you think there's protests now and if you thought there were like crazy craziness happened on January 6th, imagine what what type of revolt <laughs> would happen. If Kamala Harris took that spot, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I agree. I I I think it's like the the, the presidency is so constrained now. It feels like it, it feels like almost like a like a figurehead. And I mean, yeah, it's it. She's terrible and and not competent. But I mean, so is Biden, and Biden can't string a sentence together. Or, you know, and, and they can't even let him out. So I don't know. I, I feel like it would be kind of more of the same. I don't know. I, I think I could see people on the right rising up and protesting and saying, oh, hell no. Democrats, you guys cheated. You guys knew that Biden was going to resign. And you guys like swindled Kamala Harris in there and yada, yada. And then they'll say that you guys did this because of identity politics. And I could see people on the right rising up and revolting. I don't think people on the left would. Yeah, I guess it just seems like more of the same. I don't know. And, and there is that whole thing that, that you you were just talking to Karthik about in that, you know, it is it is a thing. It is. I mean, this is how party politics works, in that when you have a sitting incumbent, you don't have debates. Yep. <laughs> it's just considered part of the, the party power games. And, it, and, you know, in the traditional party politics, it would be it's considered like like insane to to go after your leader that way. I mean, you just, you just don't, you just don't do that. <laughs> it's right. Kind of way. And you have to think too, like people who are, uh, have been, you know, hosting political shows for years, they know that too. <laughs> like they know that's, that's usually not how this goes. So for them to even like tell people like for Crystal and Kyle to even tell people, yeah, just wait till Marianne gets on the debate stage. Like, why you get people's even like their hopes up like that? You knew damn well that Joe Biden wasn't going to try to sit up there and debate Marianne Williamson. You know, this wasn't going to happen. And, and I feel like just as a left movement, I mean, we should be, you know, you know, yes, you know, we should be covering these things and talking about things. But then, you know, I, I feel like we should be pivoting to, to, to what's our vision, like, like what should be happening now? How would this work? And, and, you know, what, what I've been thinking about and kind of putting out there is, is a vision of, of a politics that's, that's away from these parties, you know, that, that's based around, you know, clearly seeing how power operates in DC, you know, that it's all money and corruption and billionaires and megacorps. And, you know, so of course, first starting with that and saying that, you know, really every member of Congress is corrupt and bought off and the presidency, you know, and to, 
you know, basically the judiciary because they come out of the same power structure. And if we're, if we're starting with that, then, then where does that, that lead us? And it certainly doesn't lead us to just throwing up more candidates. You know, it, it leads us to, to identifying these basic, these basic problems and talking about systemic change and, and also in, in terms of, of elections, like, like, I, I think after we talk about any of these things, we should be saying that, like, primaries, like, shouldn't even be, like, a big, a big thing. If, if parties want to have their primary, if parties want to have their primaries, they can go, or their caucuses, they can go away in their little corners and do their caucus and then come out with what candidates they want. But as far as who gets elected in the real public election, I mean, that should be, like, a single, like, a single election that's, you know, easy to vote in, ranked choice voting the parties, you know, don't even matter. You, you fill up your slots with, with who's running and who gets elected. And, you know, you have an election season, you, you have a vote, you tally it with ranked choice voting, you have a winner and that's your election and, and that's your system. And um, so I feel like we should be painting that kind of picture as well. And not just, you know, after we're, we're done pummeling the, the, the parties, the corrupt parties and their, and their corrupt primaries. Yeah, those are all good points, Eric. What's up, Robin? What's your take on all of this? I know you have something to say. First of all, hey, Sabby. If I have to spend four years listening to Kamala talk about Venn diagrams or electric yellow school buses or the significance of the passage of time or any of that other stuff, I think I will unalive myself. <laughs> I just, it could be like I, six I, years. I, that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh my goodness. There's no way I could make it. I could, I could make it that long. I mean, it's just, I cannot with that woman, you know, and then, uh, People, you know, I make fun of her with her babbling and her cackling and all this other kind of stuff. But also, too, people have to remember, Kamala is a cop. And a cop of of the worst way. And the reason why she didn't make a run or get one primary vote uh, in the Democrat primary in 2020 is due to uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, tearing her up and down, slicing her up and down about her terrible cop record in California. And just, she's not, she hasn't stopped being a cop now. You, we think that the, these, all these alphabet letters and stuff like that are out of control. Imagine Kamala Harris being at the helm of all of the alphabet letters. We're going to, everybody's going to catch hell, all of us. And they're going to do it in the name of national security and, and, and against fighting white supremacy. But somehow all of that, out of, out of fighting white supremacy, you and Nick and CJ and Rome and everybody else going to be rounded up as part of that. Just like they rounded up them socialists down there in Florida. Mark my words. Yeah, I think it's really important what you just said about uh, her being a cop and always a cop. It's true. It's the same thing with Eric Adams. Yeah, he retired uh, from the police force, but he's still, he's still a cop in his way of thinking and the way that he implements certain policies in new york city he still backs nypd you know he's not going to turn on the police he's giving the police more money so it's it's true i totally hear you i think people like k-hive that are in love they love kamala harris they're not thinking about those things you know no 
You think that there's going to be, she's going to allow any protests that have that similar to what happened during George Floyd to happen under her watch? No way. She's going to crack down harder than any president has ever cracked down on any protests. I believe that. I can see that too. I can definitely right. see that. So uh, enough about her. Um, now, Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, I, I've i never voted for, I don't think I've ever voted for a Democrat in my life. I think I've only voted for Libertarians or Republicans. But he would be the, the first one that I would seriously consider voting for. And it basically is, uh, you know, if he's serious about ending wars, about ending imperialism, about ending the, you know, dismantling the military industrial complex, dismantling a lot of these, uh, the security apparatus and all these alphabet agencies and stuff like that. Those things are a failed experiment. We need to, we need to sunset those things as soon as possible. If I had a strong feeling that he would be the one to do that, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. And while I know that he's to the left on me on any um, on other issues, I feel like the, that apparatus is the cause of so many problems that we have in America. We would save so much money that we could redirect so many resources internally by just dismantling all of that warmongering stuff and all of that spy stuff that it could really, really help. It would not only help the citizens, it would help the economy. It would just be a wonderful thing. And then, like I said, like I said before, we can fight internally about what the money would be spent on, you know, uh, in terms of for the people. But I mean, but as long as we're fighting all these wars and creating all of this conflict all over the world, we'll never be able to get to that point because all of our resources will be leaving and nothing will be coming back. My only concern, I have two concerns. His his daughter-in-law being on his campaign and being former CIA, like people say, there's no such thing as former CIA. Just like there's no such thing as being a former cop. Kamala's a cop. She's always been a cop. This woman is CIA. She's always going to be CIA. And so if they've already implanted one of their own in his campaign right now, what is what can I logically believe he'll be able to do um, you know, if he does happen to to dumb luck himself into the into the White House for some through some kind of means or whatever, if we think that they they fought Donald Trump tooth and nail and he was just pretending to do want to do a lot of those things, and if RFK is serious, I hate to say it, they may unalive that man. I mean, they 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 have no problems unaliving people, no problems. And I don't understand, I, I, that would be, I know that would be a terrible question that, for somebody to ask, but I would want somebody to ask him, what makes you think they won't unalive you like they unalived your uncle and your own daddy? And I want to hear, hear his answer to that. And maybe, that, maybe he says, like, you know, like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or whatever, or my, my father or my, my uncle is like, maybe, they, maybe his answer will be something like, well, maybe they will unalive me, but I've got, I've got to do what I got to do. You know, and I'm not afraid of being un- unalived or whatever. I'm on a mission by God or or whatever. My faith is is pushing me to this kind of like a messianic mission or whatever, right? How how like Jesus came to die. He knew they were going to kill him or whatever, but the cause was bigger than him keep staying alive. Hey, you know, maybe that's the thing, but that's, that's, that's a big question that remains unanswered to me is that 
his goals and desires are so big to where if somebody like me that that never gives the Democrats a second thought would say that one I would seriously consider voting for or whatever, that's a dangerous man. And we know what they do to dangerous men. Yeah, I just wanted to add too. Um, remember what happened to Bobby Kennedy, right? Like they killed him after he won the California primary. And what did he want? Right. Wanted to, you know, reorganize the CIA. That was something that RFK Jr. said so himself that his dad wanted to reorganize the CIA. So again, like if I get the opportunity to interview him, that is that's already one of the questions that's on my list, which is like. Aren't you afraid that they're going to try to, someone's going to try to kill you too? Because it's, it's, you know, look at what you're saying. And if you're not, is that because, you know, you have someone that's a part of your campaign mm-hmm. that is former CIA. And then at the same time, if you're calling out the CIA and you have someone that's a part of your, your campaign that was former CIA, then what does that mean? Right. Yeah. I'm, I know he, he says that she's one of the good ones and she didn't really do all of that stuff. He don't know what that woman did. No. I mean, that's the whole, the, they they are trained liars by profession. That's what they do. So so you can't say, you can't take anything that comes out of any one of their mouths as gospel truth. You have to assume by default that whatever she says about what she did in the CIA is a lie. <laughs> that is her cup. Whatever she tells you may be her cover, but that's not what she did. <laughs> and there's infiltrators too. And for all we know, like, you know, sometimes the CIA and the FBI, they've been known to get family members to infiltrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is just, you know, can you, you can't help the profession that your family members have, but at the same time, I wouldn't have made her a part of my campaign. Right. Right. You know, but again, you know, Hey, even Jesus had Judas, amongst his 12 or whatever, you know, and he was still able to accomplish uh, what he set out to do. So, uh, so again, if he says, if he, if he, if you get him on your show and you ask him, are you afraid to die? And he says, no, because I know I'm on a mission and I feel like it is my calling to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do it whether they kill me or not. You know what? If he says that he's got my vote. Yeah, I have that. That is actually one of the questions I have, like, on my list. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if I'll get to interview him because I reached out over a month ago. And yeah, I followed back up today and and I had help. That's the other thing. Like, I even had help, like someone Uh who interviewed him, you know, who gave a good word to his uh, press team. But the thing is, is like usually the way these things work is like people hit up the large channels first. Mm-hmm. Then by the time they're done with all them, by the time they come to the smaller channels, most of the questions have already been asked. So then I have to get creative. I doubt that somebody's going to ask him, are you afraid they're going to kill you? <laughs> now I'll be surprised. Brian kind of asked that when they got into the spiritualism thing, didn't he? Yeah, he asked him if he was afraid, but uh, yeah, you know, I, you guys know me. Like, I would just come out and ask them, "Are you afraid that they're going to try to assassinate you?" Right. So, would you come right out and ask him, "Is Joe Biden corrupt?" <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I He's think, not going to hear that question too many places. No, that's true. That's that's a good thing. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just 
this is just all weird to me. Like I said, like for him to say, like, I don't have a plan B and it could be true. Like what Steve was saying that like, maybe he doesn't want to reveal that obviously like an interview could, could be, but, uh, yeah. When you, when you have a, a segment of former Bernie supporters that are kind of behind you and they kind of, you know, they like what you're saying and they may want to give you a chance, saying that you don't have a plan B, that doesn't go over too well with former Bernie supporters because Bernie had a plan B and didn't follow it. Right, right. And, and you know, and I'm not a Bernie supporter. Uh, well, you know, I wasn't a Bernie supporter. Uh, but I, I would want to know what his plan B is when we know that when the, the, when the DNC does their dirty tricks and stuff. And I've got one more thing and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll move on or whatever, you know, um, that those questions that Crystal gave were, were good questions, uh, questions to RFK. And I, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to look at the whole video, uh, interview when it drops on tomorrow. But I have to say though, sometimes Crystal and Sager, they, you know, they're kind of weird to me because, um, you know, like she was all up in arms about Marianne Williamson or whatever, you know, how they didn't want to, de- uh, they didn't want to debate with Marianne and all this other kind of stuff when she saw how they treated Bernie. And I'm just like, well, you know, I don't, and like you said, it's like, we knew this was going to happen type of deal. And then like just yesterday, uh, she and Saga were all up in arms about Diane Feinstein you know, being uh, demented and stuff like that. And how dare they allow her to be demented and still be in the Senate? I'm like, what are you talking about? We're watching this demented man be president of the United States every day. So I don't understand where this, where these brain farts come from, where they get so indignant over one thing, but the exact same thing is staring them in the face. And then they don't do say nothing. It's just weird. Robin. Yeah. Remember, how she chose to overlook her guy Fetterman when he was going through his problems. Yes. It's just, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, as, as your uh, comrade would say, Sabrina, these are deeply unserious people. (laughs) (laughs) And so with that, I'll leave it to y'all. Y'all have a good night. All right. Thanks so much, Robin. Let's go ahead and bring in, uh, Ruben, you are next on the mic. Uh, hello. Hey, hey, how are I'm you? I'm fine. Um, can you all hear me okay? We can hear you. Awesome. Um, I actually did see the whole entire interview because I have um, I am a premium subscriber with Breaking Points. Um, I don't watch them that often now, but um, I did watch for um, the Bobby Kennedy Jr. interview, and he's for single pay. He's he says he's a mixture of both single payer with an option of private insurance for those that want private um, private insurance. Um, he's for that as well. So a mixture of both. Um, that but, goes, um, that kind of goes back to Medicare for all who want it, which is what Pete Buttigieg said during the Democratic primary debates in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, I saw that interview and uh, my, my thoughts on it was... Well, on the host side, Sagar had had good points, but I felt like Crystal was very much a little bit antagonistic um, to him because obviously we know that she loves Marianne Williamson, obviously because she officiated her wedding. Um, and like the way she was just like kind of taking over the interview, it was 
pretty much like what she does basically for um with people that she doesn't like but um that's my that's my two cents of it um with um i do agree with robin um like even if he doesn't have a plan b i do have a plan b that's if if for some reason they do assassinate him i'm gonna vote i um i'm I'm looking at the Green Party in California and the Libertarian Party in California. Like my plan B will be just like write someone in, um, because like, you know, I I don't want to sound conspiracy theory, but like like I do like I agree with what Robin said, and like for me, it's as long as the message is there. Like um, Robin brought up like biblical references, and so like I think just if he's willing to still challenge the system, even if he dies, at least his message can still, you know, live on just like, you know, his, his dad and his uncle. So that's pretty much uh, my take on, um, on this whole situation. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I don't think he can run in the green party because I do know people that are green party members. And I think Mm -hmm. you have to be a member of the green party to run in the green party. Plus they do have primaries by the way. For people who are not aware, there was a there was a whole like, geez, I'll never forget this. There was like this whole debacle about the Green Party rigging their primaries. This is when there was Howie Hawkins and there was Dario. And I Mm -hmm. remember there was reports on this. Nico, I think, was the first person that reported it. And then other people did, too. Primo Radical reported it. But um, but the, the report was that the Green Party rigged their primaries to give the presidential nomination to Howie Hawkins instead of Dario. And so that's the thing. Like, you can't just say, okay, I lost. I'm going to run through the Green Party. Like, you have to be a member of the Green Party. Like, they don't do that kind of thing, like, where you just have them as, like, uh, a second a second option. Um, but he, he could have, you know, run as an independent, you know, obviously. Um, I will say, and I haven't seen the entire interview yet, so I will have to go watch that. But I think this just points to you know, what you were saying about being antagonistic, I think it just points to being friends with politicians. And this is why I said before, you can't be friends with them. You can't because it's like, look, Eric and I, you know, you guys remember when John Stasevich came on, I interviewed him twice. He was running as independent. And so because of the first time I brought him on and I was like, yeah, you know, I think you should add this and this to your platform. Both Eric and I did. We gave him suggestions and other people did too. I think he kind of felt like, we were supposed to be his friends. And that was when it crossed the line for me. Mm-hmm. For me, I was just like, yeah, this is not, <laughs> I host a show and I bring people on to interview on the show, but you're a politician and like, that's, this line doesn't cross. Like we don't cross yeah. that line. Yeah, you can be friendly to someone obviously, but like for them, thinking that you're their friend it's like okay no it's like you have to put up boundaries yeah that's exactly um i do want to pivot a little bit on like on the international front um there's um i'm not sure if you've heard but like right now there's been constant meetings with officials um, german officials and french officials for the outside that mean like it it might look like since they're having so many meetings it, they're becoming a bit more closer but that's the opposite they're having so many meetings because they have so many disagreements and i'm not sure if you've um if you've seen that like um that the german government okay yet another 
um, I want to say trillion dollars to send over to Ukraine in terms of arms. Yeah, I and saw that. that at this point, I'm like, what else, you know? But like, um, right, like in in the press, there's been so many talks about constant meetings, and it's not going well for both countries. One country, French, the I mean you know, France is wanting to not be associated with the U.S. while Germany wants to still support their ally hood. And what are your takes on it? Because for me, like, I'm pretty much distraught at the same time. I mean, distraught and also, like, a little bit numb to this whole thing. I think it's only a matter of time before we start losing allies. And honestly, I, mm-hmm. I can't really blame them. You know, I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So President Macron, you know, with all his faults and his uh, narcissism, because I do believe mm-hmm. he's narcissistic. Oh, he yeah. <laughs> did make that that public statement that he doesn't feel like they should have to follow the U.S. lead anymore. And, you know, I think BRICS has been uh, a great example of that and a driver for that. When you see other countries come together and say, let's actually support our own currency. Let's not rely on the U.S. Uh, anymore in any way, shape or form. You know, that can start to put questions into leaders' minds of other countries as well and make them start to wonder, like, well, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. And also this past week, I'm not sure if you're aware, but like Pakistan, the people in Pakistan are like protesting, saying that they want petrol, cheap petrol from Russia using the yuan. Yeah, um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot happen this summer. They're supposed to have mm-hmm. a BRICS meeting this summer about oh, yeah. the state of the dollar. And I think I told you guys, I think it's going to be a hot summer. <laughs> and I think a lot's going to happen and we'll have to see what happens after that that meeting uh, with BRICS. But I think that, you know, the, the U.S., the empire that the U.S. has had, I think it's starting to crumble. I think Richard Wolf was right about this, that it's falling down. And, you know, empires do fall. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's that's pretty much it on my end. Thank you so very much. Awesome. Thank you, Ruben. Of course, of course. Take care. I'm actually going to jump to the back because I see Johnny. And I don't usually get to see you on here. What's up, Johnny? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? How are you? Oh, wow. I, uh, you cut me off guard, Sabby, I gotta say. <laughs> I'm sneaky like that. <laughs> yeah, you got me. You absolutely got me. I thought I had a little while to get warmed up, you know? <laughs> I'm a Pisces. You never know what we're going to do. Yeah, keep me on my toes. <laughs> how you been? I've been good. i just been really really busy these past couple of weeks um yeah. i always feel like the next week is not going to be as busy but then things come up and then i'm busy again so that's been the that's been the you fired week. up for the celtics tomorrow or what i am and you know i'm off on wednesday so i'm so excited for this game and i feel like it's it's time for the rematch okay <laughs> you're digging digging your roots deep into boston now if you're you're, you're enjoying a nice celtics playoff run you know <laughs> yeah buddy yeah i mean the red sox aren't doing well right now i went to a red sox game last night jesus christ <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't followed baseball in years <laughs> you should have went to tonight's game sabby they just won <laughs> good game tonight of course <laughs> yeah they? go celtics 
Uh, I presume. I, so I'm a little late to the party. I assume you guys are um, talking about the um, Breaking Points interview with RFK Jr. Yeah. Well, we uh, tonight I covered at least the question where Crystal was asking him if he would, if he lost, if he would go independent or third party, like, and would he support uh, Joe Biden if he lost? And then I also covered part of the Russell Brand interview that he had with uh, RFK Jr. as well, where RFK Jr. said that he knows the superdelegates are going to give 100% to Joe Biden. So we mixed those two together. Well, i tell you what, if we go for the thought exercise on this, right, think about this. If there's a world in which RFK takes, say, 55% of the vote, but not enough to, like, blow through all the superdelegates, right? I think, uh, do we know if they reduce the number of superdelegates or do they, like, put it back? Remember the uh, Unity and Reform Commission or the Reform and Unity Commission? (laughs) Remember they cut down the amount of superdelegates? Do you guys know where that's at? I haven't looked at that in years since, you know. I honestly, like, I don't even look into it until election season because they change the rules. Yeah. They always do every cycle, right? Yeah, especially since now it's two challengers running against uh, an incumbent president. So, yeah, when I um, I think it was was it 2016, I think they the superdelegates could get like maybe 15, 20 percent and they could swing it one way or the other. So you had to get like a two thirds majority to bulletproof your win and overcome the superdelegates. Right. So you had to win by a lot. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, can we imagine a world where they genuinely just steal it from somebody else who wins the nomination and be like, okay, RFK Jr., I know, you know, everyone likes you and voted for you and you won 57% of the vote, but we're just going to take it and give it to Joe Biden because reasons. Like, are they really going to do that? Because that would be pretty damn humiliating and it would guarantee Trump's reelection. Yes. And it yes. would honestly wreck, it would actually wreck the Democratic Party. I would say, yes, they really are going to do that. You really think so? I'm actually not. I think they're bigger cowards than we than we might realize. No, I don't think I did push back on him saying 100 percent. I don't think they're going to be obvious about it and give 100 percent of the superdelegates to Joe Biden. I think they're going to let him and Marianne get a a few here and there. But I don't think it's going to be honest. Uh, just like it wasn't honest with Bernie Sanders. Like, they don't have to. They've already argued in court. They don't have to to do that. They can select who they want. And that's the thing. They now have a case that they can point to and say, this is on record that the DNC said that we don't have to do this. You know, during the 2020 debates with Bernie Sanders, I remember on the debate stage that the, the one of the moderators said, how many of you would be okay if the nomination went to the person who did not have the most delegates? And everyone raised their hand except for Bernie Sanders. They were even trying to rig it then. They changed the rules so that Michael Bloomberg could join the Democrat primary. Like, they don't care. So they were, so I think they were much more um, to swing it in 2020, right? Because they were trying to wa- uh, water down the pool. Right. They were much more prepared to, like, basically keep Bernie's percentage to, like, 30-ish. You know what I mean? They were trying to make sure they didn't have to actually overturn, like, a full-on majority of the voters. Right? That's why they kept so many candidates in the field. And they always knew the plan was to, like, make everybody drop out and endorse. And just say, oh, well, you know, you threw your delegates behind and I threw my delegates behind and Bernie only got 30. Now we got 70. 
that was always the plan. Now, I don't think they were ever planning to just say straight up say, okay, you got 57, but us superdelegates, we know better than you, and we're going to overturn your will, even though you got 57%. And well, they're no, not but, that, but, the, but the incumbent president at that time was a Republican. This time the incumbent mm. is a Democrat. And they've already said, the DNC already said, we are not going to have primary debates. Mm. So that yeah, they're going to try to suffocate the oxygen out of the room, right? Right, which is why mm -hmm. I said, you know, Kim, Kim Iverson and I talked about this. And Kim said that it should be hosted on a platform like Twitter. And somebody with a really big name should do it. And... I mentioned someone like Charlemagne the God and someone else in the audience mentioned Joe Rogan, like people that someone that everybody knows. Dude, I would watch the hell out of both of those shows. <laughs> right. But if it's on a platform like Twitter, imagine how many views that's going to get. That'll get like millions of views versus like if somebody hosted it on YouTube. So I think that's that's like the big thing. But the problem is, is that, you know, I talked to people last week. And a couple people told me that Joe Biden doesn't even have a challenger. I'm like, what are you talking about? He has two people running <laughs> against him. They didn't even know. Yeah, they're just going to try to invisibilize him. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, if if they don't talk about them, if they just kind of, you know, try to keep them under the radar, like they tried to do with Bernie, but that didn't work, then mm. they'll try to smear them, which they're already doing. And But that oh, doesn't yeah. seem to be working against RFK Jr., uh, I don't think the whole anti-vax thing is not the deal breaker that they thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I tried to it's not sticking. You're that. right. Crystal just tried to make it stick. <laughs> like you can see it really bothered her. I think the thing is, too, if you talk to people in like working class communities, well, you know, especially here, like in Boston, most people here aren't thinking about that shit. Like, you know, what's funny. Like, I don't think people realize how much the landscape has changed even in the past year. And all, so my wife is a nurse, right? Little, you know, getting a little too personal, right? My wife is a nurse and um, like 20, the end of, let me think about this, right? The, it would have been the end of 20. So I got it in spring of 2021, right? That was when they kind of opened it up to everybody, right? I want to say by the end of the year, my wife pretty much begged me to get a booster at the end of 2021. Now, there's literally no conversation in the house of anyone ever bothering to get boosted again. Not even from my doctor, by the way. Yeah, like my no doctor, one cares. No, my doctor <laughs> doesn't even recommend it. Like when the first, when the first. Um, because it doesn't do anything anymore. Diminishing return sets in, you know? Right. And the thing is, is like, this was just basically like, and not saying there aren't people out there who you know, were more susceptible to COVID. Like, I'm not saying that I understand some people did have underlying, like, health issues. Yeah, that old people, nursing homes and stuff like that. Yeah. It probably does more help than, than harm, you know? Yeah, but, like, now, like, my doctor doesn't even mention it. And, and when the vaccines first came out, they did. Like, I had to get it because my job required it. I wouldn't be able to keep my job if I didn't uh, get it. That's so creepy, job. isn't it? Yeah, that was Boston University. Uh, they told us we all had to get it. On that. Yeah, we all had to show our vaccine card and everything in order to come back to work. It was crazy. And then so there was that. And then I left that job, obviously. But I think the thing is, like now I don't even hear people mention it like, oh, did you get your your, your vaccine? Did you get your da da da? Like people don't even talk about it anymore the way they did back then. It is crazy how bad the atmosphere was at that at some stages in 2021. Right. Like and into 2022, even. But people did eventually cheer, chill out over the course of 2022. And this year, like, everyone's given up on it. 
Yeah, and I just don't think that is going to be the winning argument against RFK Jr., especially when he's preaching on a message here about, you know, no more wars and calling out the corruption of, like, these government agencies. Like, those are the things I think people care more about, not like, Mm. oh, did you get a booster and a this and a that? Like, you know, there's no sense of privacy anymore. Uh, The censorship issue is also a problem. So I'm glad that he's calling that out as well. In fact, every candidate should be calling out the censorship issue. So I think- He he went further. I listened to the to the breaking points interview. He went further than that. He went pretty hard on civil liberties. And I was actually impressed by that. He was like, I see a lot of problems with uh, search and seizure from the Fourth Amendment. There's way too much surveillance and spying. Um, He said they closed the courts and suspended jury trials in a lot of places. He's like, that's a Seventh Amendment problem, if I'm remembering the quote right. he said there's free speech issues, and I'm trying to remember. He listed a lot of civil liberties. He went pretty hard on the civil liberties thing. And I was a little impressed by that. I didn't expect him to go that hard on it. That's why some was... libertarians like him. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is he went pretty hard on the environment. And his in- his answer on, did you see the Breaking Points interview? Or I don't mean to, like, repeat what you already know or whatever. Or, I... or if you guys already that covered it. A small clip where she asked him the question about his plan B. Um, I haven't watched the full interview yet. Oh, okay. So I just got through the fir- the full interview. I saw it drop in the inbox earlier this evening, right? So it was interesting. So you could really see his, like, you know, showing off his knowledge on the environmental issues, right? Where he talked a lot about um, river and lake pollution, um, coal mining pollution, and things like that. So he really showed off his, his experience, you know, being a lawyer and doing a hell of a lot of research and that kind of thing, right? Um, and he mentioned, you know, the amount of mercury poisoning that comes from mountaintop removal of coal and stuff like that. And I thought one of his more interesting answers was on climate change. So he said, look, I have I've been an environmental lawyer, environmental lawyer for many decades. I have to dig deep into these issues and really get to understand them and read these studies and documentation and really understand what the hell's going on here. Right. I can talk to a group of fishermen who can see the effects, you know, chemical pollution is having on a river or a lake and they can see it and they they love their like conservative liberal. He's like these people love, you know, their environment. Right. They like this is tangible stuff to them. Right. He goes with climate change. It's, you know, lines on a graph projected out 50 years. He's like, that's not as tangible. He's like, that's a harder case to make. He's like, and I don't feel comfortable making it because I don't understand it to the level that I understand the environmental issues I've studied, the localized environmental environmental issues I've studied, you know, the mercury pollution and um, particulate pollution in the air and in the water from, uh, you know, mercury in the water and, you know, particulate pollution in the air causing breathing problems and asthma. He's like, I've studied that stuff. I understand that stuff, but I don't, Climate change projections, I don't understand that as well. And he says, look, what's the solution going to be to climate change? It's going to be doing a lot of the stuff I was probably going to recommend anyway, because I'm recommending it for all these other environmental reasons, right? We need to stop mountaintop removal of coal because it's killed all the life in all of the lakes in the Appalachian Mountains. He's like, we need to get down the number of, you know, air pollution in particular matter that people are breathing in that's causing so much asthma. He's like... And uh, actually, I was uh, the other thing he went hard on is Chris Lanzaga had this kind of weird love for nuclear power that just isn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
like nuclear power isn't really the the boon that they think it is. And he went pretty hard at him on the nuclear power issue. And I think he he kind of stuck it on stuck it on to him on that. Um, you know, Sagar in particular is a big nuclear booster. And uh, he was just like, look, there's no solution to the waste problem. There's no solution to the safety problem, right? No insurance company will write a policy to insure a nuclear plant. So if they won't do it, why are we going to build it, right? He's like, if Lloyd's of London and AIG and all these big insurance companies aren't going to write a policy to, to insure a nuclear power plant because they can't be sure of the safety, then why would we want to do that as a society? Why would we want to eat that cost, that potential safety issue? Yeah, um, I, you know, I've heard different things about nuclear. I talked to Diane Sayre about this, like she was another supporter of nuclear. Um, and, you know, I mentioned a couple of incidents that have happened where, you know, there have been spills. I'm like, what happens if there's a spill? And she's like, well, it doesn't happen. And nobody died at Three Mile Island. And I, I told her, actually, that's not true. People did mm. die at Three Mile Island. Like, so I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's different, like, suggestions of where to go in reference to like energy. But I think, you know, we have to start doing something now, something sooner rather than later. We can't just keep depending on oil. That's for sure. Here's the thing though. Like if you screw up nuclear energy, you can like ruin a place and make it unlivable for like the rest of human history, like thousands (laughs) of years. (laughs) Like no one can live around Chernobyl. We all have to get the hell out of there. It's a no-go zone. It's a sacrifice zone. Yep. Right. You know, how can we trust somebody not to do that? You know what I mean? You can't. How can we just take somebody's word? Yeah, you, like you can't take somebody's word for it that they're doing it the right way. You know what I mean? And I think the trust issue alone, it, it makes it almost a non-starter. You know what I mean? Like you do one accident and there's just no going back from it. This but is also very like, weird. yeah, but also like there's a lot of state level projects that just have had cost overruns and like just don't deliver the returns, the cheap energy that they always claim, you know, we're supposed to do. I mean, I still remember like being in high school in the nineties and like having one of my high school chemistry teachers being like, I bet they're getting really close on fusion reactors now because they're being really quiet about it. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, here I am like a 16, 17 year old kid being like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And you know, <laughs> now here I am 40 something. Right. And I'm being like, they still haven't had the breakthrough infusion reaction. <laughs> like, no. we're waiting for a bus that ain't coming, you know? <laughs> like, it's just not happening. We're five years away. Trust him. <laughs> we're always five years, or forever five years away, Eric. <laughs> no, it's like there is, um, there's this show called The Expanse. I don't know if you've seen it, Johnny. But no, The I Expanse, I think you'd like it. It's really cool. It takes place in the future. And they focus on the fact that the the climate catastrophe, for the most part, has already happened. So this is like mm. years ago. And so most of Earth, it's not called, they don't refer to countries anymore. It's just called Earth. Mm. So parts of the United States are already underwater. And then they show, like, people living in New York City, but there's, like, a wall built around New York City where the water has, like, risen and things like that. So, anywho, what's interesting about Expanse is that the climate Just catastrophe. Real, real quick, what streaming service is it that carries it? Uh, I know, I know it's on Amazon Prime. There may be another one. Uh, let me take a look. I'm going to look at it while you're talking. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, what's crazy is that like people are already living on other planets. So there's Mars and there's the Belt, and the Belt is the asteroid belt. But huh. they still have the same problems that we have now in the sense that the asteroid belt has all the resources. 
but the people that live there are poor. Mm. But Earth and Mars extract the resources from the asteroid belt. And those countries, for the most part, are okay. The parts of Earth that are still inhabitable are fine, and but Mars is the superpower. And so <laughs> Mars Martians, is the superpower, huh? Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, interstellar Mar- colonialism, that's what we need in life. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like Martians think they're better than Earthers. Earthers think they're better than, you know, uh, the class snobbery across planets. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> But they, they show like what happened because of like the climate ta- catastrophe. And I wonder about those of us that live on the coast, you know, they're already talking about building a wall around seaport district mm. because the water levels are rising. Like that's something we can actually see for people who are saying like, well, I don't know about these projections. You can actually see that the water levels have risen. And I yeah, think yeah. You know, that's something you can test too. But you can see that just by going to the beach. I noticed the tide comes in earlier than it used to. Mm. Yeah, it comes so, higher too. Um, these are things that I think we all need to be concerned about. But I, I, I don't know. Like with him, it, it was really interesting to me uh, when he said that, like, you know, he's not going to try to have it. And, and it's true. Stephen could be right. Maybe it was just that he didn't want to say that what his plan is on an interview. But I honestly really think because he has so much love for the Democratic Party, I can't really see him running as independent or third party. If I'm wrong, then I'll come back and eat my words. Mm. No, I, I think he probably wouldn't. I don't I mean, here's the thing. Like, so in that interview, I'm, what I'm thinking to myself is like, look, the guy seems very bright, but does he have the bravery to stick it to the Democratic Party? Like, is he going to boss these people around? Is he prepared to do that? Or is he pre- prepared to blow the place up if they don't play ball? Right. And I didn't I didn't get that vibe. You know what I mean? I heard a lot of Democrat brain and, you know, market talk and stuff like that. So I, I wasn't convinced on the bravery aspect. And I, I've become convinced that what we need in politics more than brains is bravery. Like Obama was a very smart guy. Was he brave enough to go take on billionaires? No, he wanted to be buddies with them. That's right. And I think we that need bravery. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we have to remember like RFK Jr., like he's not, you know, working class or middle class. Like he's pretty wealthy. No, he's he's comfortable having dinner with these people at the end of the day, right? Right. And that's yeah. that's something we have to remember too. But I think like, you know, I, I also say that you know, when I asked, I asked Norm Finkelstein this recently, like, is there any value in, in doing this, you know? And he mm. said, yes, because the socialist way tells us to push those left issues onto people that are not, have not adapted to those issues, that you're supposed to push the message. He said, however, that I was right in reference to the organizing piece fell off. So he said, like, it was great that Bernie educated people and pushed the message, but the collapse was the organizing. There was no organizing after he lost, and that's where the failure comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, here's the thing. Like, we don't have a mechanism to get a word in when the political class circles the wagons and freezes us out, which is what they did. Right? Everybody we voted thought we were getting into the office, thought we were, like, busting down the walls. They all turned around and just like, you know, put the walls back up. Right. We don't have access to any of those people, even like those of us that canvass for politicians. Like we don't have access. Like once the election was over, we didn't have access to those politicians anymore. So I think it's important that people understand that. Yeah. I mean, I listen, Savvy, the only way to make them listen is to make some of them lose. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, gonna, I, some I, of them are going to have to lose and they're going to have to be afraid of us. <laughs> they're not afraid of us. They don't think they need us anymore once they get the keys to the castle, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's something that we've we've been talking about over here. But I think that yeah. I just get concerned because I see a lot of people getting really excited about him. And I'm like, guys, like, look, I think I like, you know, the policies, some of the policies he has on this platform. I like that he's anti-war. I like that he's calling out the CIA. I said yeah. at the same time, he's also telling you that Joe Biden is his friend, which is the same thing that Bernie said. <sighs> oh, that hurts. Joe Biden's like not a good person. Like I wouldn't want to hang out with that guy. He's an asshole who lies constantly and he's a terrible fucking father. Let's be real. Not only that he's his friend, but he's a friend of the family. Oh, uh, so... that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you found a way to make it worse, Sammy. Jesus. He <laughs> <laughs> said he's a friend of the family. A I'm friend like, of the likes. family. Like that's Bob Boss talk, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, you know, I just hope that people don't get sucked into the whole, uh, this person is going to be our hero and get disappointed again, you know, and maybe Bernie Sanders, you know, maybe it's not a fair comparison, you know, maybe it's not fair to compare everybody to Bernie Sanders or that Bernie Sanders movement, but it's just, I see how many people he was able to get out you know, mm. in the streets and to come out and support his movement two election cycles in a row. And I saw how the DNC was still able to shut him down. Yeah. So the way I'd see our political evolution, you know, our uh, sort of baptism by fire on the left, right, is Obama kind of bamboozled us, right? He was always full of shit and he talked real smooth and he fooled us and we we bought it, right? Then we wanted to, we found a guy who was sincere, but didn't have the bravery. We got to find somebody who's brave enough to actually fight with somebody. Like, what's RFK Jr. going to do when Joe Manson tells him, "No, I'm not shutting my coal mines down." Right. What's What's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, what's What's he going to do when all when the, his legislation gets vetoed by Republicans? Is he going to go out there and hold rallies like Bernie pretended to do? Remember, Bernie was going to do that, and it sounded cool. Bernie was going to go to West Virginia, hold rallies, put pressure on Joe Manchin. Is RFK going to do that? Somebody should pop that question to him. What are you going to do when Joe Manchin tells you no? Well, well, here's the answer to those questions. How is he raising money? Is is Mm. he raise is his campaign all grassroots or is he taking corporate money? (laughs) There's a there's some inheritance family inheritance. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how much money he made as an environmental lawyer, you know. Yeah, I mean, you remember when Joseph Kennedy the Third ran against Ed Markey? Remember he primary challenged him mm. for Senate? That was mm-hmm. a disaster. Like, <laughs> he, honestly, I was like, dude, why are you running again? He had no reason for why he was running. And it was just like, I was like, oh, my God, he's only running because he's a Kennedy. And he thinks he's pretty much old the Senate seat because he's of his family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was it. You're right. There is kind of an he was a cocky punk, and he got the establishment behind him very quickly, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were kind of an analogy. Mm-hmm. Like there's an analogy there between that Patrick Kennedy run and, and this RFK run. They're both kind of thinking that, that they can just jump in and, and, and take over, I guess. Oh, Eric, did you call him by his government name? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you said Patrick <laughs> Patrick Kennedy. Pa- Patrick Kennedy? 
Yeah, you said Patrick. Is that the one who ran? Joseph King. Joe. Yeah, it was Joe. Oh, which one's oh, Patrick's the Rhode Island. Dude in Rhode Island. Yeah, I keep getting it. It's hard to tell these Kennedys apart, you know. They get around, dude. They really get around. I guess, like, in, just in general, I, I I worry that that we're spending too much time like playing their game or, or talking about about their game because their their game is you know all about you know who's going to win the Democratic primary and who's going to win the Republican primary and and all this theater and all this fighting to to determine you know which corrupt corporate warmonger you know gets in and and you know and maybe RFK is not as bad as the rest of them and. I guess I I just feel like we we we're not spending enough time or or capping it off with, with stepping back and saying you know you know this whole system's corrupt I mean you know in saying like you know this both parties are the same both parties serve the billionaires serve the top one point one percent and until we fix that and fix the the money in the system and get the money out it's all going to be shit so. You know why are we spending so much time, or you know, I, why are we spending so much time on on this stuff and not in spending very little time, at least in the left in general, talking about these core systemic problems and and how do we get there? I, you know, I, I I'm trying to get us to get the conversation to to always end up there. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of the facts that you just laid out, Eric. Obviously, right? There's nothing wrong with any of that, but. Look, you got to go to war with the government you got, and this is we have to find a way to get I, control of it. You know? Yeah, see, I, I I don't really agree with that framing. I mean, I, I think we need to to have a, a movement. You know, we we need to figure out how to have a, a big movement to essentially democratize the government. You know, to get in the street and, and demand these things. And it's not going to happen with, with any of the current leadership. I mean, they're all corrupt. They're all part of it. You know, it's like, it's like they're all robots to this, to this system. And none of them are going to help us. You know, no one who's, who, who's, who's a, a Democratic candidate is going to help us. I mean, I, I think it's as simple as that. And they're not and obligated to, I, I want to be very clear about that. They're not obligated to help us. They're the only people that they answer to. to yeah, the only people they answer to are their donors. They're not obligated to really help us, even though they're public servants. So that's a big part of the problem. So it can't be like movements in this country going forward that deal with any type of class issues. They cannot be led by politicians anymore. We can't have that again. Like Bernie Sanders, I think, you know, again, he got the message out there. But once Bernie lost, he went back to his Senate seat. Mm -hmm. So it can't be led by politicians and I think Occupy Wall Street, they actually had the right idea because that wasn't led by politician. And they made a lot of noise, you know, around that. Now, granted, Obama came in and shut them down, mm -hmm. which sucked. But they realized that the people in, in, in political government were not really going to help. So they decided to do it themselves. It would be great to talk to some of those those activists that were a part of Occupy Wall Street because that did get a lot of noise. Yeah, we had our own little Occupy in Dewey Square in Boston. And that was when I moved here, Johnny. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, I moved here during Occupy Wall Street, and I was like, what the hell is going on around here? <laughs> it was pretty funny because that, that day started with, like, a pretty stamp bog standard SEIU march through downtown Boston, you know, through the Bank Financial District. And there's that, there's that little square, which is kind of a weird no man's land that they picked out, you know, and you could see the a new crowd kind of came in once the union march was through, and they set up shop, and they were there for a few months. They were there for a couple of months. I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it was interesting. They picked Dewey Square and not the finance district. <laughs> well, it's right next to the we. If you're coming, catching the train to South Station, you had to walk by him every day. That's true. That's a good point. Mm. I bought yeah, pieces a couple those, times. <laughs> you know, where, where are those people? Uh, I was so happy to see somebody doing something because, like, that was in the middle of the financial crisis. And it was just so obnoxious. Like, Obama was just shoveling tr- yep. tr- truckloads of cash at the banks. It was so obnoxious. And I'm, none of our elders want to help, by the way, Johnny. <laughs> I've been told well, they, by they, they haven't. People. They don't have much to teach us, do they, for the last 30 or 40, no, 50 like, years, do they? They don't have a lot of wins, a lot of W's on the scoreboard to the, that they put up, <laughs> have they? <laughs> Nora Finkelstein was a part of George Floyd protests. And even he told me, he was like, this isn't my world. I don't belong in it. So the younger people, you guys got to. Good luck, you guys. Gotta take the lead. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, you know, I asked Cornell shit West, out. We failed. <laughs> yeah, I asked Cornell West, like, how do we, you know, how do we create that same type of movement that happened during the civil rights movement? And Cornell West was just like, well, you got to remember. The Democratic I got a class parties. to teach. <laughs> yeah, he said the Democratic Party tried to co-opt the civil rights movement multiple times. Yeah. And he said, but it just didn't work. But he's like, yeah, you got to have those revolutionary fighters. And I was like, has everybody just like retired? Like, it, like <laughs> everybody <laughs> hung it up, dude. <laughs> Everyone I talked to like that has been a part of this stuff. They're just kind of like, yeah, I'm old now. So <laughs> like, it's like watching the NBA playoffs with Shaq and Charles Barkley with the old days, you know, <laughs> it's just they all hung it up, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> So, I tell you what, I you know, Sabrina, at least they were honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least they admitted their own limitations, you know. Give them that. Yeah, and some of them became like capitalists, like some of the people that were Black oh, Panthers, yeah. that were like hardcore, like revolutionary fighters, some of them like became like capitalists and they're like millionaires now. And it just, I mean, look at Angela Davis. I mean, that's mm. a perfect example, right? This is someone who was already a part of you know, the academic elite yeah. from the get-go, Ac- by the way. Academia is where revolution goes to just get comfy and fall asleep. It doesn't even <laughs> go to die. It just goes to get a book tour and, you know, get some royalties <laughs> and just get comfy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure you see it at BU. How many, you know, revolutionary-ish people <laughs> have been through? I mean, MLK went through BU, right? He went to the, yeah. Didn't he go to the Divinity School there? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, I, so went to, we, I went to Wake Forest. We had Maya Angelou. You went to Wake Forest? Yeah. I had debate tournaments there. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, I went to, so I went to high school in North Carolina, but we had debate tournaments at Wake Forest, and that's actually where I met Maya Angelou. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, and she was teaching. I remember that. Oh my she, god. She used to teach one class that was like half a semester, like every other semester. <laughs> she was like <laughs> doing as little as you could do and still be on faculty. <laughs> yeah, because didn't she have like a year long or was it three years long waiting list to get into her class? Uh, no, it was uh, my my girlfriend at the time in college went there, got in there and um. She used, it was a, it was a process. She used to basically, she used to hand pick like a dozen people. She would mm -hmm. interview, individually interview like a dozen people. And she would let in like a very small, a small group. Maya Angelou taught me early on. She said, young lady, you need to smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. She'd give you like a stern voice. Too. She, she did. She said, you need to smile. <laughs> and she said, and I'm going to teach you how to take a picture. It was just so random. Like, I thought I was going to get like some really deep advice for my <laughs> you were You just... were ready for the, you were, <laughs> you were ready for the sage wisdom of the elders about to be dished out. She's like, you need to <laughs> smile because when you walk outside, people look at you and you need to smile. And I was like, okay. And I think that's why I smile so much because of her, because she was just like, you need to smile because it represents your whole presence. And Maya made like, you do it. <laughs> Maya made me do it, man. Maya made you do it. Hey, there are people uh, in the back of the line. I should, I should get out of the way. I appreciate talking to you, Sammy. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Johnny. All right. Have a good one. All righty. Let's bring in CR. What's up? Hey, how's it going, Sabby? How you doing? Um, say something again. Check one, two. Okay, I can hear you. Sorry. All right, yeah. Um, hey, how's it going, y'all? Hope everybody's doing okay. I had a. Oh, um, you're doing okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Either way, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I in uh, um. Earlier on, your there was a little bit of discussion about questions for for RFK. If you do get the opportunity to uh, interview him, and I had one that I think that's good. Tell me if you think this is good. This might be a little too gotcha, but I think that serious politicians, because I mean, I think uh, Eric kind of said this not too long ago too. Um, but like, what the fuck are we doing, wasting so much of our breath right now on this electoral? I'm paraphrasing, vastly paraphrasing putting words in his mouth, but more or less, you know, like, what are we doing wasting our time and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of tend to agree with that a little bit too, you know? Uh, um, so I think a great question for RFK would be, if you got a chance to ask him, if you did, I don't know, let me know if you think this is too much of a gotcha to say like, what local uh, uh, ballot measures do you support right now? What state uh, politicians are you looking at right now? What, you know, what, uh, uh, what kind of measures, what ballot initiatives, you know, I thought to me, I think that because that would really show conviction of whatever policies that he claims to have. Am I crazy? Is that, or is that too much of a gotcha? I think that's actually a really good idea, CR. Really good one, because he lives in California, but he's from Massachusetts and both states are ballot initiative states. 100%. Yeah. So that would be interesting to hear his response about that. It would also be interesting to, to see if he's been paying attention to ballot measures yeah my my guess would be that's why that's why I kind of, as i was kind of saying it, i'm like oh this sounds too much of a gotcha because then the politician could easily go like oh well i'd have to take some time to look at those and get back to you you know what i mean that that 
that traditional <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? The, the, the politician trope answer, which on the surface does make sense, but like you said, shows that you're not paying attention. That's right. And I'm sure Roger Meadows, Roger, you would love that, right? I'm sure Roger would love that question. <laughs> you like that question, right? I know Roger would love that question. We get to talk, ask him about some community banking, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of like on the phone, so I guess you said ask Kennedy about ballot measures, something like that. Yeah, like local stuff, like see how much is yeah, he paying like attention to state and, and local and other things. Just not just, so we're not stuck in this fucking electoral politics. You have an echo, Roger. Yeah, I hear you. You have an echo, Roger. Oh, Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like it, but but you know what I would love more, CR? Oh, am I here? Two miles keep right onto crossing Did I lose you? Here. Oh. I would love it if you ran one. The power is within us. Oh, CR, you muted oh, yourself. Uh, that's what I would love. I'm like, screw these politicians. We could do it ourselves. I just, man, I, I hear you. It, it, you know, it, it, and you walked right into that one. If I'm being perfectly, <laughs> honest, I'm being perfectly honest, it's only because I'm afraid of them opening my closet and all them skeletons falling out. No, 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 no. This, this has like when you when you run a ballot measure, it's, it, it's not like you're running for office. You just always some... kill the messenger. You know how they do it. No, you would just be somebody that 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 um that just filed for one. That's all, and it it would just be like, you know, um, a swarm of bees. You know what I mean? Just just working as a unit. That, that's all. It's it's not the same thing as is. I've I've never heard of. Um, hey, look at this person over here that started this ballot measure. He had two illegitimate children. Like I, I've I've never heard of that. It's just. <laughs> You, you know what I mean? Let's just defeat the ballot measure. When, when Proposition when Proposition Eight started gaining a lot of steam, mm -hmm. the early two thousands, that was about uh, you know kind of banning gay marriage. Very quickly, mm -hmm. uh, and this is probably true. I don't know, but the, very quickly, the narrative became that it was being bankrolled by out of state churches like the Mormon Church in Utah, and so that very quickly became kind of like the boogeyman talking point about Proposition Eight. Was that it was being an outside influence? So they they do do that. But, they do but, they do they do. But see, that's not them for propositions. But that's not attacking you. That's not attacking sure, the sure. person who filed it. That's just attacking the measure. I mean, yeah, of course, there's always going to be opposition to it. You know what I mean? But you know, they're I'm not coming yeah, out. They, they will go. They will go after you as specific as they can, of course. But anyway, I was just more I was just more suggesting it as is like good questions to ask RFK that nobody else has really asked him that I've seen so far. In all there's no there's no emphasis on your your you sure your policies are one thing at the federal level but you should also be support especially if you're a quote-unquote democrat you should also support you know your state senators and your local you know your governors and mayors and all that kind of stuff like that and, and, and that also further your policy and nobody's asking him any of that stuff so i thought maybe that'd be a good place to push i mean it doesn't hurt to ask i'm just saying because you was you was asking me I, I would probably love that i'm saying i would like it but i would love it more if we if, if you ran one <laughs> that's all no, i'm saying no, no. <laughs> um yeah you you, you I, walked I just, into that one cr 
My bad. Uh, the um, well, you and, and, and you said it kind of first, Savvy. You were like, "Oh, Roger will probably like that," and then I was like, "Yeah, you love that." And then I kind of hyped it a little too much. Well, she lives in a valid initiative state too, <laughs> so she walked into it too. Right. <laughs> um, I just want to say this real quick before I before I pick up. Um, Savvy, you missed my last joke when you left. What did you say? Uh, his faith led him to do a show with Sam Cedar. Stop! Why are you guys being so mean? <laughs> um, the title of your show, all the letters that come after, the title of this call-in show, all the letters that come after back, re- oh, what was that? Oh, all, all the letters that come after back, replace it with bone. Um... <laughs> Uh, Why are you being this way, Roger? Because it's fun. <laughs> uh, what was another thing I was going to say? Oh, yes. You mentioned people going into academia. So you you know you know about uh, William Bill Ayers, right? Yes. Okay. So talk about people going into academia. I... I reset that interview with Megan Kelly that he had back in I forgot when it was uh, I forgot when it was um, yeah I sent that because like Lucy didn't know about it so I, I, sent, I sent it to her right and you know just watching it again I'm like yeah this guy entered into the she said well now you was you was doing bombings of government buildings and railing against the government but now you're working in the government and you're working in academia now so that's what I immediately thought of when I rewatched that interview today when you was talking about, I mean, those guys was, I mean, the Black Panthers weren't doing that. These guys was bombing shit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the weather underground. Because you know what? It, now I know what it was. Um, she was talking like, she was talking, Lucy was talking about people talking about, and I agree, people talking about, oh, we need a revolution. We, and I'm not talking about mass movement, but people are saying we need a revolution. We need a revolution. And I'm like, most of these people that are talking about we need a revolution are the first ones that'll drop their guns and, and throw their hands in the air, drop their guns and run. You know <laughs> what I mean? If you're not willing to die, I suggest y'all shut the fuck up and run these goddamn ballot initiatives. Okay? Unless you are willing to die and sacrifice and put your life on the line. Okay. Um, unless you're willing to, to, to do that, don't talk about revolution. Yeah, you could talk about mass movements and do what France is doing and whatever the case is. But I mean, like, unless you're talking about, you know, if you're talking about, I want to do a French and Russian revolution, don't talk about revolution. Because how many people out of, there's probably like a few percentage of people that will actually be with, like, yay, I'm going against the government. Well, you know RFK, I mean? RFK Jr. said we. He said he. Uh, we need a revolution. He said a peaceful re- revolution. What does that look like? I'm gonna pivot pivot to CR. CR. What large does a peaceful large, revolution large, look like? Large amounts of psilocybin, kind of uh, distributed in in a controlled manner. <laughs> uh, fucking God, I don't know. That's a. Uh, it is a little bit of an oxymoron on the surface, you know, based on just you know my understanding of, of history. I don't really i mean you can look at certain types of things like the industrial revolution and the technical revolution and (laughs) yeah but those those things aren't war-based but then i would i would counter with well no the industrial revolution 
left just as amount of suffering and death in its wake as any other war did. And if anybody remembers yeah. the dot-com boom and bust and stuff like that of the early 90s, that left us just as many other people. And, and, and you know what I mean? So these other things that but, we think of as nonviolent or, or non-war related revolutions still often kind of come with the same, you know what I mean? So to me, I, I, I do find it kind of difficult to imagine a peaceful revolution. So I do tend to agree that it's, it's unless you want to go there, it's not worth talking about. Yeah, these people, but these people that are talking about, I'm, I'm ready for a revolution. They, they ain't talking about industrial. They, they, they trying to talk about French and French Revolution with Marie Antoinette and and the uh, and the uh, the Romanovs. They're talking Russia. about. That's, that's what, they're talking about off with their heads. Yeah, talking about any peaceful resolu- revolution that yeah, yeah, yeah. supposedly was referencing. I was just trying to make some type of argument, which I know is bullshit. I was just steel manning him, but even, even still, then I don't, I don't buy my own argument <laughs> um robin had said something that um goes back to what i said before when she was talking about the alphabet um this is the reason why i say truman was the worst president that we had because he gave us the alphabet soup in the exception of the fbi <laughs> okay he gave us the military industrial complex the he cia and the nsa what's that he said he warned us about it but didn't stop it in any way shape or form no no i said no, no, I said Truman. Truman, I, I said Truman is the worst uh, president because he's the he, one. Wasn't that, he the one that gave the speech that warned about I, Eisenhower? That's Eisenhower. Eisenhower. Yeah. All right. All right, that's right. Okay, my bad. I'm getting confused now. That's my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That no, that was the president before him, Truman, that that, that gave us that uh, whatever the case. Yeah, is. I played. I played part of Eisenhower's speech tonight. Um, sorry, guys. I it's I, I should I have already had planned to have that on deck i didn't so eric was kind of put on the spot <laughs> to like look to search for it but uh essentially eisenhower had warned everybody about the dangers of the military industrial complex yeah totally okay. i mean we, we 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 should have we should have known and and you know in, in, a, in a large way that that's why we can kind of wonder like how much nefarious shit has the cia been doing to kind of thwart that kind of a uh, thing along with the pentagon and and all of the other contractors along the way because because this is a question that i another thing i have kind of written down on my note last kind of big thing that i wanted to bring up with you uh, sabrina was a confluence of interests that we have here now uh people kind of talk about rfk kind of calling out the cia for his uh, father's death although i kind of still feel like most of the times he's still a little mealy mouth about it you know he never really fully answers it directly but whatever that's a separate debate but uh, um, a lot of people seem to kind of f- leave out the mob, right? And that, that, they, that at the time, the mob did see in Kennedy, uh, 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 you know, uh, um, JFK, an ally, and thought that because, you know, his, his, his uh, brother Bobby yeah. was going to be, you know, a problem for them and that in placating JFK that he would get his brother in line. And then when that didn't happen... There's a lot of good arguments I've always heard to say that the mob was then mad because they felt like they helped get him elected, and then he turned around and didn't stop his brother from coming after the mob. So a lot of people will say, oh, the mob did it. A lot of people say, oh, no, the CIA did it. Oh, no, the lone gunman did it. But what I'm thinking is confluence of interests here. You have multiple parties, right, that were interested in making something happen. And so, so what I'm wondering is, 
here? Are, are we are we are we leaving that out too much and just kind of looking at it as like, okay, he's making this great crusade against the thing here. He's avenging his uncle's death and all that kind of other bullshit where he, I don't ever hear him really mention the mob. Can he talk about the mob though, CR? I, I don't know, but I, this, this is my yeah. question here because I, I, I'm worried because I'm worried that, that we're only like looking at half the picture, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if he probably can't talk about it because um, there are stories that Joseph Kennedy, not JFK, but JFK's father. Bootlegging. Um, Constitution. Yeah, was was connected to the mob. Definitely. Oh, totally. Yeah. The boot, that's yeah. definitely where a lot of their initial uh, family's fortune come. That's kind of been like the open secret, I thought, was that they got a lot of their money from bootlegging back in the day. And that was kind of how they bootstrapped their political career later. Just like any other good, you know, gangster, eventually you got to fucking turn the game in from an illegitimate game into a real game. Right. That's yeah. what you do. That's what you do with your power and your money. You know what I mean? That's what any of the other fucking robber barons did at the time. You know what I mean? They start off doing illicit shit and they turn it into the, where they have enough power to get away with all of their illicit shit. But, you know, so, so we, 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 I feel like we're, we are looking all, and again, we're looking at all these different kinds of angles here, but we're not really actually thinking like I, I just, like you were saying earlier you're worried about people getting too duped into rfk and I, i'm kind of like on that same boat here it's like yeah he says a lot of cool things says a lot of awesome stuff but then like you mentioned his daughter or his uh daughter-in-law being in the um the cia right and yeah then, like if i have you heard yeah about, have you heard about the other uh uh god fucking god i'm i'm, I'm blanking right now but it has another another uh um it's an advisor to the campaign. So they're saying that he's not part of the campaign, but an advisor to the campaign. And he's supposedly also ex CIA. Yo, see, these are, those are not good signs. Um, I think, yeah. you know, if, if I, you know, get the opportunity to interview him, I would try to tell him like, give me three good reasons why you don't feel you should run as an independent, not yeah. one, three. That's the question, isn't it? Like, dude, like, are, are they forcing you to do this? Or are they, are they making you trying to be like the next Bernie Sanders? Or are you just kind of sheepdog some of that left energy, some of that independent energy, some of that libertarian energy and kind of funnel it back into the system? I kind of feel like it's, it's, it's like the mm -hmm. Bernie game all over again. And that's why they're allowing him to run in the Democratic Party and why they won't kill him because they ultimately know that he will lose and has no plan B. But remember what they, but remember what, um, what Noel said last time is that they're not going to try to actually take someone out unless they try to actually implement the policies. That is when they'll come for you. When you start to change things, then they'll come for you. They'll let you run, except they didn't even let Bobby Kennedy get that far, but that was then. They'll let you run. But remember, they didn't come after JFK until after he tried to change things. That's when they came after him. Yeah. But then again, if you look at, listen, let, uh, read a bunch of the stuff that, that, that Michael Tracy's been writing lately, which I know the guy's a fucking insufferable, but, you know, he's got the fucking knack for being a nerd and sitting there looking that shit up. There's a, a plethora of quotes of old of JK stuff that runs really counter to his narrative that he was so against the deep state and he was going to scatter the CIA into a thousand pieces. There's like so many more quotes, actually, if you really dig into it, where he's, 
you know, and then and then then in, in some of the other interviews I've seen RFK Jr. kind of highlight all these other things where he's really against it. And so I'm kind of looking at both of these different things and going, it's like, hmm, he sounds more like a politician than a man of principle to me, seeing that I can find quotes from him that kind of service whatever particular narrative that I need to hear. And that sounds more like politician speak to me than somebody that's very principled. So I, that's the part where I kind of have the hard time kind of going to like, yeah, it was just he was going to destroy the CIA. So the CIA killed him. It could have been just that the CIA just didn't really like him, found out the mob wanted to kill him and fucking let him do it. We know that the fucking CIA had at least two, two of the hijackers were their assets and they hid that shit from the FBI and the rest of the government. We know that now, right? Based on the gray zones reporting. Yeah. Like two of the 9-11 well, hijackers were also CIA assets yep. and they fucking actively, not only did they not tell anybody, but they actively covered up that fact against the other agencies when they had an ability to do something when they knew that they were taking fucking pilot classes. So again, I, well, I see this, this continued pattern where they use things where there's people that are, obviously we're fucking around in the Middle East. There's going to be a lot of people that are mad in the Middle East. They want to get revenge on us. So they just use that. It's not that necessarily that it has yeah. to be all one entity. It's a confluence of interests. Yeah. And I think that, um, well, first and foremost, I haven't read anything from Michael Tracy since the last thing I read from Michael Tracy was the article where he smeared Tara Reid. Oh God. After that, I never read anything else by Michael Tracy. Yeah. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's changed now, but I've, I've seen him still like fighting with her on Twitter as well. And I just think it's ridiculous. Oh, um, I defend that. Trust me. <laughs> he's an yeah. Idiot. So I haven't, haven't seen, but I will also say too, in reference to nine 11, there was a show called looming tower. It was on Hulu. I watched that whole show where they, they talked about like all the ins and outs of the information the CIA had that they did not give the FBI, mm. that the CIA knew those guys were already in the country and didn't tell the FBI agents. Yeah. And the, one of the lead agents on that, on that case, he was trying to tell them, like he got, they got rid of him. They fired him. He was trying to tell them like, no, I think we're missing a big picture here. These guys, he was trying to tell them that he thought that those guys should be looked at. And his boss was like, no, we're not going that route. That guy went on to work at the World uh, Trade Center. He was in one of the towers oh, during 9-11. Here's the thing. He got out and survived. He went back in to help other people get out, and that's how he died. Some of you may be familiar with this. True story. Damn. But that guy, his partner is still alive. I don't know if his partner still works with the FBI. He may not now that that show came out. But that guy... Like he tried to tell the FBI back then, I think we need to focus on these, these guys who were the guys who ended up flying the planes and they didn't believe him. They didn't want to listen to it. Then come to find out after 9-11 happened that the CIA already knew those guys were in the country. They already had the information and they did not share that information with the FBI. Yeah. So did, but did they, were they originally the original ones that got him in the country or did they just let them and help them and use them as assets? You know so I mean? that's, that's, why, that's why I think that, that's why I think that like the likelihood that happened was with this, this with JFK was the mob wanted to get him, the CIA wanted to get him. Hey, let's kind of work together loosely and kind of help each other. Just like how they let those dudes in the country, they knew they were taking fucking pilot lessons and they, they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let, let's kind of let this go. This, this can, this can work out advantageous for us. 
So uh, yeah, so that yeah, all these yeah. different kind of things about the whole JFK, RFK, and, and and RFK Jr. story that kind of really bother me is that there, I do see not necessarily overwhelming evidence contrary to RFK Jr.'s narrative, but I do see enough compelling stuff that shows that maybe the way that he's painting uh, uh, um, his uncle it, it, it is not exactly really you know a hundred percent accurate. And to me, that just kind of sounds like standard politician speak. So I, I, I would just encourage, again, if you get a chance to talk to him, to, to ask him, like, why is somebody who's not going to vote for a Democrat, why should I vote for you? Who's, you know, who, yeah. of all my, all my viewers that are pretty, because it's pretty much all of us, we're all not going to, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat, no matter fucking what. Even if he does become the Democratic nominee, I still won't vote for his fucking ass because I won't fucking vote for a Democrat ever again in the rest of my fucking life. These people are worse than the Republicans in my life. So fuck them. So I would encourage you if you can to say like, for my audience, why should us independents, lefties, socialists, communists, anarchists, crazy people, why the fuck should we vote for you? Right. Good point. Um, Eric, I think you unmuted. You were going to come in and say something uh, earlier. I want to make sure I get you in and then we'll go. I'll go. Thank, thank you. I am. Um... Excuse me. I, I did fine when you were talking about the guy who, um, the the former FBI agent. I put in the chat that was John P. O'Neill, and he had, um, yeah, he had tried to to ring the alarm about about um, Al Qaeda and, and bin bin Laden, and and they didn't listen to him. I mean, it, it was a very different atmosphere before nine eleven. Like like most people in the government and in the agencies, like they, they weren't even looking at, at terrorism, especially at least not at, at, on the homeland. And so any, any guy that was like ringing these alarms was, was just like ignored and, and ridiculed. Yes. John P. O'Neill. Thank you so much, Eric. I see it in the chat. Yes. That was his name. Look him up guys. I'm not kidding. There's a whole story about him. Like I will say that show, The Looming Tower, I'll check and see if it's still on Hulu. I watched this a couple years ago on Hulu, but that show, when I compared like, you know, you watch these bio shows and then you compare and see what's true and what's not. It was actually pretty spot on about him, even his personal life. So yeah, that guy tried to sound the alarm and unfortunately he was. And the other thing, like when we were talking about like what might a, um, a nonviolent revolution look like, or or maybe we could frame it as a nonviolent political revolution. And to me, what what that could look like is you you start. Well, I mean, you start with a recognition that the billionaires and the big money, you know, run everything, and you know, our, our government is corrupted. You know, the media is bought. I mean, it's everything. Everything is top point one percent versus versus the rest of us. You know, so that's like the first recognition. And then the, the, the next step is then that should lead you to demands, right? And you, you have a, a clear set of demands that, that start with getting the money out, you know, dealing with the money, the things that, that run everything. And, f you know, with that, you know, you have the ability then to deal with the other demands of healthcare and environment and, you know, the whole slew of problems. But to me, it, 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 it's like what, what we had when, when Bernie started, like was, you know, a, a, a small mass movement, you know, something of a, of a mass movement. And, you know, and, and Bernie was putting that out there. And I feel like, like that with, 
clear recognition of our problems, a clear set of demands and inspiring, you know, a whole bunch of people. I, I feel like that's what a, a nonviolent political revolution could look like. And it sure as hell doesn't look like RFK Jr. running the Democratic Party. Did we lose Sabrina? Hey, Roger, are you still around? Trying to figure out if this thing's still working. No, I can't hear you. Well, you can hear me, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. So Sabrina's, uh, I think Sabrina has a technical issue. So until she, she takes, takes over, it's back to the, uh, uh, back to the Eric show. There was, um, there was also, there's been a lot of talk about this, um, the new, uh, what is it? The, the, is it Dunham, the Dunham report? or Durham. Anyways, basically like, like RBN was talking about this earlier and, um, and you get the mainstream media going on about how it's, you know, Oh, it, it's, it's no big deal. It's, you know, it's just, um, uh, it's, it, it didn't, you know, it didn't come down with indictments that the, the Trump wanted. And, um, you know, but I think the big thing was that it, um, yeah, and it looks like Sabby's getting logged in on her computer, so she'll she'll get back in here. But it the the, the big thing, I guess, it, it reinforced a lot of these a, a lot of what what happened with the FBI and and the Trump campaign, and what what it what it reinforced it was that um, they they certainly like targeted the Trump campaign and moved in with um, with a big investigation when when there really wasn't much to 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 back it up and and whatever you think of trump it's really it, it's problematic to to have you know the, the the deep state doing things for for political interests and, and political gains and i think that's what what's really the um you know the the, the core problem here um you know or that's that's a big problem that's really what it's what it's laying out there um but yeah, you know, we, we got we got the issues with um, with RFK, you know, with this whole concept of, of running, you know, as as a Democrat. I mean, I, I I guess the other question you could ask him, you know, if you're getting in. Oh, did you make it back? Yeah, I think so. It shows you mute right now, though. We heard you. For, I heard you for a second. Okay, can you still hear me? Oh, there you go. Now you're on. I had to get on my computer. I don't know what's up with the uh, app, but here I am. Hey, so it sounds like you're on your computer, Mike. <laughs> and you know the, the the question that that you could you know the other question I thought when we were talking about questions for RFK is, is you know you you could ask him like does he um, does he support public financing of elections? You know, do, does he support um, 
really tough re restrictions of corporate money, you know, in elections? Does he support like a, a constitutional amendment, like move to amend? And, you know, it's tricky because he's going to say, oh, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, but like it'd be, it'd be a question is, would he make it a priority? You know, would he, would he talk about it, you know, all the time? Yes. I guess would be the thing. Oh, you were on, and then it just cut out to mute. Yeah, Eric, I'm gonna have to make. Oh, there you a, go. Um, how do I make you? Yeah, you should be able to make me a uh, moderator. Okay, let me do that really quick, and so I can come in yeah. and come back. Yeah, yeah, then we'll bring Ashura on once I have the power. How do I do that? So it says host. When I go to you. Right. I don't understand. Um, let me see if it make, let me make you, um, you're a speaker. Do you need to be a right. host? Is it, I don't know if that's an option. Oh, I see it. Okay. Hold on. Hey, there we go. All right. Okay. Let's bring it. I'm going to come back in on my phone. All right, cool. And I'm going to see if I can bring on Ashura. All right. Hey, Ashura, I just put you on the queue. Can you unmute? Does this thing work? There you are. Hey, Eric. Uh, wasn't hey, it Ashura. Brady? I'm pretty sure it was Brady before me. Did he log off or something? Um, I don't know, but what do, what do you got? I didn't even see now. <laughs> now she's becoming Roger. Okay, I'm back now. Sure. All right. Well, sure. You can tell us what what's on your mind. So I'm gonna have to. I didn't see most of your stream, so I'm gonna have to rewatch it after this thing. This uh, calling's over. I mean, at this point, I don't know why some people think that he's gonna do something. I mean, I wish Dwayne is in the chat right now because. Dwayne keeps telling me that RFK has a plan. Now we know he has no plan. There's no plan B. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think he, I, RFK made that pretty clear. Um, plan. <laughs> even if you don't have a plan B, man, I would never have said that. On I would I would have been like, yeah, I got a backup plan, but I'm keeping that to myself or something. <laughs> I guess even Marianne knew, knew to say it will depend on how they treat me, which was a slightly better answer. Well, why can't they just say, I'm not going to do shit because I'm afraid what the party's going to do. Just say that. That'll be truthful. At least that people will believe you. It's kind of what he did say. <laughs> well, he didn't say it clear because he had to basically run in circles and then you have to decode like it's like, like some Da Vinci shit. Yeah, I mean, that's the game, right? I mean, it's his question. Do you think there's any value to him running in the Democratic primary? Uh, other than him talking about the COVID stuff, that's the only thing I think he's got. Plus the censorship. But if he's not, if he's not going to basically call out the party as do as being the bootlicks and ass lickers, uh, well, then what's the point? Because he's probably going to say it's the corporations, but 
the corporations and the politicians, and you got to fucking name your own party along with the Republicans. Don't just go one-sided. Ashira, you should move to the U.S. so you can run and and say what you just said. Oh, oh fuck no! Oh fuck no! You want you want me to be poor? You want me to be poor? God damn it! I say I I'll tell you to move here. We have the health care you want. You just gotta find a family doctor. At least you have it for now. <laughs> what the health care? Yeah. Well, you, you got then, any insight that Trudeau's gonna get rid of it? That's political suicide. He'd be the no, most. They're just gonna, you know, what they're gonna do? They're gonna privatize it a bit at a time, you know, but, until oh, it's they, just like ours. Oh no, they're not gonna they, do that. Nobody. They 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 did that. They did that back in the sixties. So if they try to do that, they're both fucked. Like both of them are fucked. Like the, a, a Trudeau, he was made like fucking Hitler during during the uh, during the when you had the trucker thing, and then he had amnesia that he never fucking tried to be a fascist. Yeah, yeah people was, fucking hated him for that. I was actually wondering about that too, Ashura, just because the UK is already talking about privatizing health insurance. Oh, they're, they're fucked. No, 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 no. If they do that, they're fucked. It, it, it's it's a talk, but if they did that, people would probably be saying, "Okay, it's time for a Brexit." See what they do? They sneak, you know, they 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 sneak it in, like like they're doing with Medicare with Medicare here. It's you know, oh, you don't want to just have Medicare. You want to have Medicare Advantage, and you get all this you know extra stuff, and it's oh, it's so great for you. And I mean, you what? You're gonna have, you know, it's gonna be NHS Advantage. <laughs> That's what I worry about, really. Mm-hmm. But what do you think, Ashura? Because one of the other things we talked about was um, the statement he gave on RFK's show. He said that, or excuse me, uh, Russell Brand show. He said that um, he already knows. He's like, yeah, the DNC, you know, the super delegates are going to give 100% to Joe Biden. And he's not going to, he's not going to do anything. I mean, at this point, if you know... If you know the future, why not basically do what you were going to do it in the present? Just call them out. I mean, you know you're gonna fucking lose. You also know you're gonna bend the knee. Then what? What, what the fuck do you have to lose? Just call it out. Just throw Molotov cocktails everywhere. That's a, that's a good point too. You know, but again, I think I really do feel like you know, if you do that. I think the problem you run back into, you know, you're going to lose. Then how is corporate America going to accept you back into their circle? He's an uh, environmental nope. lawyer. <laughs> My answer is don't go back. <laughs> don't care. Don't go back. Don't care. Use independent media. Use Twitter. I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of platforms. I mean, people can just pass it around. Why do I give a fuck about what the mainstream media want? The mainstream media, they have the same low fucking numbers as Congress. <laughs> I feel like he's Why trying to I have it both ways. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing about when he said, he, I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch a show complete, like I said. I'm going to have to rewatch it. He says he wants Medi- Medicare for all plus some bullshit. Like, it's like Pete Buttigieg said. That's what I said. That that does remind me of what Pete said. Yeah, that's that's why when he was on Jimmy Dore's show, I was like, when he's going to talk about healthcare instead of his family and shit, and he was talking about environmental, like, what about your healthcare plan? That's the biggest shit that Americans wouldn't talk about. 
and now he's saying he wants Medicare. Who the fuck is advising him? He needs to get these like uh, Republican uh, Democrats that are like pro party Democrat, like die in the womb Democrats. Get them, get them out. Get some grassroots people. I feel like RFK is trying to have it all both ways. You know, he's trying to be an outsider, but he's running as a Democrat. You know, he wants, he he wants, you know, Medicare for all, but, but don't get rid of the private insurance companies because people might want them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. at a certain point, it gets kind of unserious, you know? I mean, we have that same thing too with the private insurers in, in, in Canada, but that's like a, that's a choice if you want to go to them. But they stay away from the healthcare, uh, the, the healthcare system. I don't know why he can't do that. Just distance them from the. You, if you want to keep Obamacare, it's like Obamacare is like cleaning a fucking fridge. Take out all the bad food and just replace it with new ones. Or you could just get rid of the fridge, get a new fridge. I mean, I know the the judges might go and bitch about it, and say, "Oh no, we can't replace Obamacare," and change the fucking food that's in the fridge. No, these are all good points, Ashura. But again, I really do think that the reason why some people are not willing to go scorch earth is because they know when they lose, they still have to go back to corporate America. And will corporate America accept them if they go scorch earth? Probably not. Uh, I wouldn't care. I mean, this guy's already rich. What the fuck? (laughs) What the hell? What, What the hell does he have to be afraid of other than death? Whoever said rich people are cowards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not going to do shit. I mean, I know some people told me that oh, Jimmy Dore's for RFK. Jimmy Dore's pro RFK. I'm like, but Jimmy Dore basically said in 2016, I mean, 2020, he was done with the Democrats when Bernie Sanders bent the knee a second time. And during, uh, Steph was reading a super chat and he said, now nah, we're done voting Democrats and TYT bitched about that. They did a video about uh, Jimmy Dore crew attacks uh, Nina Turner. So if Jimmy's saying that there's no way Jimmy's going to vote uh, uh, back into the Democratic Party just because RFK says things that Jimmy won. I mean, he's going to have to stick by it because that's his show. They're anti-duopoly. I have not heard Jimmy Dore say that, by the way. So That he supports RFK? Yes. I haven't heard anything direct. Any- you know, the people just make things up because they see yeah. Jimmy Dore tweets at RIK. Therefore, that means Jimmy Dore is going to vote back into the Democratic Party. I'm like, that's like sheep herding people back in. Like, if you can't see yourself, you call yourself uh, post-duopoly, you shouldn't be vote- voting back into getting the past back into the plantation. Why the fuck do you want to go back into the plantation? Stay away. He's in the plantation. <laughs> go, go make your own farm. You said the plantation. <laughs> no, those are all good points, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's as of right now, it's unserious right now. Like they're both unserious candidates. They're giving you milly mouth shit just so they can get on the field. Like, what's he gonna do? What's he get? Like, Dwayne told me that he has a plan. Any counter I give Dwayne, he tells me he has a plan. I'm like, he has no plan, Dwayne. He has no plan now. I mean, I wish he was here tonight. I wish Dwayne was here tonight as a speaker so I could talk to him. Where's the plan B? If you if you Dwayne have a plan, was, I know. I wish Dwayne was here too. Yeah, I was like, yo, if if the plan B is to put you into it into his circle, I'll t- I'll take that one. Maybe the plan B is to put Dwayne as his <laughs> as his uh, team. 
part of a team. That's that that that's that's it. That that that's his plan. Mm. Yeah, as for the crystal ball thing, it, it's fucking obvious. She is so broke, Marianne. She was she was fucking dog shit to that guy. I mean, come on. It, 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 so I haven't seen the whole interview. I only saw that clip that I covered, and then well, that, that's that based on it. Yeah, well, that's based on her attitude. That's who Crystal Ball is. She's uh, she's bratty. She's fucking condescending. I mean, she thought she was gonna have R.K. on the platter, but R.K. basically messed her up. I mean, they they tried to use the anti-vaxer shit. But that's I mean, why you can't be friends with politicians. This is why. And I, I say this to you guys because I'm trying to tell you from experience, you can't be friends with them. The moment that you decide, listen, I'm not really going to support what you're running on anymore. There's another candidate in the race that may have, you know, beliefs more aligned with mine. The moment you start to heavily criticize them, I don't mean just criticize them. I mean, heavily, heavily criticize them. The moment you you decide to support someone else, they they don't want anything to do with you. This is a this is transactional. This is all I mean, this whole transaction. You help me, I help you. I think the reason she went after R no, she went after RFK is because Marianne in every single poll is not doing that ten percent bullshit they were they were saying about. Where Kyle Kalinsky he took she took he took two sections of a poll. And added them together. Oh, it's ten percent. No, it was two fucking sections, motherfucker. It was one. She was forty four percent. Four percent is her number, not not ten. She knows. She tried to smear the guy just so her her girlfriend can go up. Now it's not working. Nobody likes Marianne. Fox News mocks Marianne. They took. They take RFK seriously. Um, uh, CNN takes RFK seriously. Uh, MSNBC takes him seriously. Well, I say seriously because they they mention him. They 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 trash him, but they mention him. Marianne, not so much. She's like a, a turd in the wind. She wait. So she hasn't mentioned him at all. Uh, no, I'm talking about the the mainstream media. They don't care about uh, Marianne. That's what I'm saying. But as for Marianne, well, she probably thinks that uh, she can beat him. I'm no. just waiting for the debate. The thing is, he has crossover support. That's the thing. Like, he has support from libertarians. Like, I know people who are libertarians who said they're supporting him. He has support from libertarians. He has support from some uh, Republicans. Um, he has support from uh, former Bernie supporters, like lefters, leftists. He has support from some Democrats. Like, he has crossover appeal. That's the thing. Okay, then why isn't he the one Kyle and Crystal need to back? Why isn't he the one backing? He's got the he's got it's the momentum. Late. It's too late. So why are you the late. Crystal lady? It's too late. <laughs> they they already said they're backing Marianne. So now it looks some kind of way if you back off and say, okay, I'm back in RFK Jr. now. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, well, Pilgrim said, but if she turns on Marianne. Or criticizes her, Marianne will invalidate her marriage. Wow, I just I, mean, I, I don't know about all that, but I just I like I say I learned from experience. You cannot be friends with them. You cannot I mean, you, can't, you can't tell liberals that uh, 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 Sab Sabrina, you know they have to basically be the spotlight. I mean, 
you you know what happened with the Johnny Depp thing, right? The Me Too movement shit, time's up. What happened to Amber Heard? I mean, she's living in Spain with some fucking country now. You got uh, Depp has a new movie, and you got another spokesperson. I mean, you know her, uh, the woman that plays Captain Marvel. Um, she's gonna judge his movie, and they ask her a question about the Me Too shit. They say, "Are you gonna be impartial to Johnny Depp's movie coming out?" And he's like, "Why are you asking me that question?" Well, you're basically the one that part of the Me Too movement panel, some shit like that. And she is not for that shit. The whole believe women. She's for that believe women shit. But they're wondering if she's gonna be like uh, biased against Johnny Depp's movie. You talking about? Um, oh shoot! What's her name? Brie Larson. Yeah, Brie Larson. I don't know. Hollywood is a weird place. A weird, weird place. That's, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Like yeah, they got they they got their hands in everything. You can't have one fucking movement that's not a you don't have a rich Hollywood person in there. Bojack Horseman called it uh, Holly Weird. I don't know if you guys ever saw that show. Well, that's what everyone calls it. Yeah, that's what it just it, it's a weird place, but I don't know. Like I said, when they say believe all women, apparently it don't it only applies to women that are their rich. accusers are not also and their accusers are not a part of the Democratic Party. Yeah. I mean uh, you know I, I sent you uh I sent you a DM on Twitter. Um it, it's about the thing you said that women don't support their uh they don't support women's sports. Uh, there's a comedian that's talking about it. It's Bill Burr. Literally, basically, he, he trashed the women on that, in, in that joke, and they 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 fucking took it. They laughed at it. I mean, he, he blamed them for saying that for women's sports. Uh, they're the reason the, why the sports suck because they don't go and support the women. No, you're right. Um, and I'll give an example with uh basketball. Yeah, like women's basketball is just not watched as much as like men's basketball. It's just reality. That's the yeah. same for college and for women's basketball. By the way. All of them, because he was the comedy bit is that a soccer player, a female soccer player, went on the news and then complained about how um, sh- a men are making way more than they are, and yes. the people on the on the show, basically the men there, she asked them the question, and they have no answer. He's like, well, you guys know the answer, but you're not going to fucking say it. So anyways, I left the clip up for you on, on your on your Twitter. You can just watch it. Plus, uh, Roger knows this. I sent also a clip, like a couple of, maybe a week or two, how this partisan thing going on with the Democrats, where they shit on, they shit on Republicans and Democrats, and to the point where you can't even cross, you can get and get people to basically agree at at least seventy percent of the on the easy shit. Where there's a guy who comes into it, he knocks on the guy's house. He's wearing a mask, and he says that he's running for some plot, um, like for a con- not for Congress, but for uh, like uh, for you know the di- people who do run for cities, like sections like that. And uh, he basically says. He's running for it, but the guy doesn't hear him, hear him the first time. So he repeats himself, and then he says, "Are you a Democrat?" The guy says, "Yes," and then he shuts. And then he says, "Goodbye." I haven't seen. Is this on TikTok? 
no, I, I, that that that's also on your Twitters. I mean, not your Twitter, your DMs. I send it to you. It's it's fucking funny. Oh boy, people send me stuff via DM. I'll be like, man, I gotta go into that motherfucker. Sorry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like it's like just how fucking partisan that shit is because you can't even cross. You can't cross both both sides to get people on your side just because that shit is so it's so fucking toxic. I love how you called it Tic Tac. <laughs> speaking speaking of um Johnny Depp, uh you, uh Eric, uh Dave, and another guy who was on there, I just finished watching Black Mass yesterday. <gasps> Finally. I was like, wow. I didn't know that he died in prison. I had no idea he was murdered in prison. I just, you know, every time I watch those type of movies and stuff, I do a little research to, you know, like, because I remember when he was arrested because that was like back in my um, MSNBC days and Lawrence O'Donnell kept talking about it because he's from Boston and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy, Whitey Bulger. Okay, he's he's a real badass or whatever. And I just said, let me see what happened. I had no idea that they that they killed him in prison. Yeah, they took him out. That was like big news here locally. Um, but yeah, I knew it. But like we all said it here. We're like, once they caught him and they were like, okay, he's going to be sentenced to this prison. We were like, yeah, they're going to they're going to kill him. He He's not going to serve his sentence. They're going to kill him in prison. Yeah. So Why that- he had a lot of enemies, Roger. He had a lot of enemies. Well, you know, he's like the United States. Once you go around bullying and killing people or whatever the case is, all those people are going to eventually get together and come back at you. That's what we're seeing with bricks, right? I I had to make a little political reference there, you know me. (laughs) No, it's true, though. You're right. Like, I mean, it's it was that was kind of like. That was an eye-opening moment. Like, when that happened, first of all, we never thought he was going to get caught. At least I didn't. Eric, you can feel free to chime in. I never thought they were going to catch Whitey Bulger. That guy had been on the run for years. Apparently, he was living in California all that time. How many years? (laughs) Fifteen, I think. I think so. And people, he had a girlfriend. Like, he had a whole life there and everything. And, like, people had actually called in to the police department in Southern California and told them that they saw him, but it got to the point where the police just didn't believe it anymore because so many people, there were copycats. Oh. Where people were like, yeah, I saw so-and-so, and then they'd go to the, the scene and it wasn't even true. Why didn't you just leave the country? That's a good question, sure. Yeah, you went to <laughs> Ireland. That's where he was shipping the uh, arms to for uh, the I- Irish rebellion, something, you know, the the IRA. The, I forgot what Irish stood Wait a minute, why are we trying to help him, Ashura? Oh, my- yeah. <laughs> He's dead already. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, one final thought. What's I, happening I, here? Uh, one final thought. Um, it's a thing about the Julian Assange thing. Um, that woman, she's not a Kennedy, right? Because I don't want to assume that everyone that has the word Kennedy is a Kennedy. Caroline, Caroline Kennedy is a Kennedy. Yes, she is. Uh, she is the a U.S. ambassador. Okay, so um, I hope we don't put too much stock in this woman, thinking that she's going to, 
you get Julian Assange um, out of prison, because I'm pretty sure the United States wants to make an example out of Julian Assange, just so everybody, every every uh, reporter in the U.S. and probably around the world, if you release any embarrassing stuff about us, we're coming for you. Well, she, um, it's not up to her. It's up to all the other people that were also listed that are coming to that, that meeting. It wasn't just her. It was also other MPs, international MPs that also agreed. They disagree on other issues, but they agreed that it's time to let Julian Assange go home. So he still hasn't been, um, he still hasn't arrived in the United States. So he's still in England, right? Yeah, he's still in uh, Belmarsh in UK. So you think it's just a, it's not not really a scam, but it's like some, they don't, they'll never bring him to the States. You don't think they just want him to die in Britain? They just never want to bring him here. Because if they get, if they bring him here and they, they be able to put him in prison, that'll be a black eye for them. So just let another country deal with it. It's like when Trudeau came to Canada and said, Oh, uh, I need you to go to Haiti to deal with that shit. So, because I don't want to do it physically, because that may look good, or bad on me. I think they want him to die in Belmarsh, based on the conversation that I had with his father and his son. I don't think the goal is to even bring him back to the U.S. I think if they bring Julian Assange back to the U.S., I think it would be a fucking disaster. Like, I really think you want to talk about protest. I think they don't want that media attention. I really don't think they want that. Like that would shit would be all over the, the news. <laughs> so I think what they're trying to do is to just let him die in Belmarsh. I yeah. really do. And that's sad, but. Yeah. I'm like, at this point, how long has it been? He's been in that prison and he still hasn't landed in the U S so they can, you know, charge him. I mean, mm-hmm. the person who, who did that, that was Chelsea Manning. Like he didn't steal no documents. And I keep hearing people online saying, oh, no, uh, he stole he stole documents. He didn't stole documents. He published them. That's completely different. Wait, Chelsea Manning is saying that? No, not Chelsea Manning. People oh. are saying that, like Hillary people. No, fuck. But the fuck the Hillary's, man. I'm so sick of Hillary Clinton. Every time I turn around, I think this woman has gone away. Her her face pops back yeah, up. The shit, the shit live people. Like the shit lives. The supporters of Hillary. And... I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard Chelsea Manning backed away from Julian Assange at some point on the Jimmy Dore show where he was talking about something and she really, she turned on him. She she turned on Julian Assange. Well, when I interviewed... I could be wrong on that. So if anybody learns something like that, they can just put it in the chat. Well, I interviewed his brother and um, his father recently. And I asked them about Chelsea Manning and about Edward Snowden, and they said, like, they've been very supportive. So I don't know. You're thinking of Glenn Greenwald. That's who Chelsea turned on. Yes, she did. Very much so. Okay. Because I remember there was a thing that we were talking about Chelsea Manning. She went all shit lib. She was uh, the whole mandate shit. Like, yeah, that, that's when all of a sudden. Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I have the thing for you, Sab. The the, the part that you were looking for with Ike, it's, it's two minutes. All right. All right. All right, here we go. Councils of government, we must guard against Can you hear it? the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, 
by the military. Yes, I hear it. Thank you. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. Yeah, that, that, that was it. Thanks so much for that, Roger. I like pulling up those older, like, videos, you guys, like, you know, so you can hear how different things were then. Some of them I can't play on YouTube because of copyright. Like, there's a jam one that's a really good one that I'd like to play. And also um, the MLK one. There's one by MLK that I know was copyright and I can't play on YouTube. And it's not the I Have a Dream one. It's a totally different speech. But um, yeah, you're talking about the one where he spoke in the church and said that my dream has become a nightmare. Yes. Yes. I, I can't play them. Oh, you can't play it on your show. I don't think so, but it, but you know what? If I can find an audio version of that speech, I can play the audio. I just can't play the video. Why is that? That's YouTube, fuckers. It's just a it's just a speech. <laughs> I mean, these guys, these liberals love MLK. I mean, they don't like it when he talks that radical shit. I know, but it's just unfortunately, whoever owns whoever owns the video that they posted on YouTube, if they have copyright then I can't, I can't play it. Like I'll get copyright for it. Like that's the thing, unfortunately. Man, you would think that would be public like record. You could just use it without having it. Right. But, but the family sold it to corporate interests years ago. There was a big debate about that. Turn right. Um, right. Cause we played, we played some of them on RBN. Cause like you guys know how CJ used to play like those old black and white videos at the beginning yeah. of RBN shows. Yeah, you don't see those as much anymore because we kept getting copyright. Really? Oh shit! I didn't know yeah, that. For a lot of them, for a lot of them, and I'm like, damn, why is all this stuff copyright? Like that should be public. Like it should be fair use because it's 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 history. Even even the Kwame Ture video. Some of those are copyright too. Like oh, it. Fuck. I mean, you can't play is, anything, any black radicals, or they're just going after black radicals it, it, entirely. No, it's not just them because there was another one. There was one I played one time. I can't remember who it was, but it was a white dude, a uh, politician, and I got copyright for it. So I went and corrected it where I had to remove that part of the video. It it sucks because like if you didn't catch the live stream, then you missed that whole the whole uh, sequence there. But that's the thing is like it used to be on YouTube that like you could actually go into YouTube studio and you could actually search a video and check and see if it had copyright claim ID, but they took that feature away. 
So now you only find out if you get that email from YouTube that says, hey, your video's monetized because da 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 da. You had this video. And I'm like, yo, the historical stuff should be fine. Like all the black, like most of the black history, uh, historical videos that I covered, like, you know, for Black History Month, how I covered like a different person in black history, most of those were demonetized. Wow. So if you, so if you had a, if you had Jimmy Dore sub numbers, would they leave you alone? No, it, it the co copyright is copyright. Okay. Like they don't give you a pass on that. I will tell you, that's something they don't give you a pass on. They may give you a pass on certain subject topics if you have a larger channel because you have an actual person at YouTube that you can contact and speak to. So like if your channel's the size of Jimmy's, you have that. If your channel's the size of Breaking Points, you have that. Yeah, um, that's what that's what I ask. Like if you had if you had Jimmy's numbers and you had somebody in there, would they let you would they let it slide? Not with copyright. No, there's no sliding okay. with copyright because what happened is the owner of the content, whoever owns that video on YouTube, they paid for the license of that content. Mm. I, I guess they're going to let the Democrats use it when they want it, but you can't use it. Anyways, I'm going I'm to hang up and let the people in. Okie dokie. Alrighty. Um, I see someone new, so I'm going to jump to the newbie. I'm going to jump to Steven. Steven, I'm going to make you the next caller and then we'll come back and pick up Peter. All right, Steven, you just have to unmute your uh, mic. Well, um, I just wanted to thank you for um, doing what you do. I, uh, I caught you. I, I think I first caught you on uh, Jimmy Dore show or something. And uh, then I've been following you and I got a kick out of when you, uh, when you went to uh, RFK juniors uh, announcement, uh, um, I, I know you apologize for some of the stuff, but I, I got a kick out of it. You know, it's just, it's just like, okay, we're going to try this stuff. I enjoyed it. So, and oh, thank you. that, and, um, so I got a, I, I, I've been involved in the electoral process since I was 15 years old. We're talking back in 1971. Okay. Um, like the last three local candidates for office um, that I supported, uh, everybody said, no way in hell. Well, one gal, she had a million dollars spent against her. And another guy, he had about a half a million spent against him. One was running for state senator. The other one was running for state rep. Okay. They had a little bit of an army. And that dedicated army, okay, went door to door. And, and, uh, they won. And, uh, this is here in Illinois. And, uh, a progressive little girl, or I should, little girl, well, I'm, I'm old enough to be a little more than her father, but, um, she, uh, she won and her name is Rachel Ventura. And then, um, so, and the other guy, and the one, the other guy was local here in town. Um, he ran for village president. Everybody said, no way in hell. I said, he's going to win by 500 votes to 750 votes. And he won by 600 people like, how the hell did you know that? I said, do the math. I've been predicting races for years. I'm not sure what's going on in the, with the Democrats, but I can tell you this. My gut is telling me, okay, 
Well, let, let me let me ask you a question. Let me let me do this. Let me ask you a question. How many contested primaries? Okay, has Joe Biden ever won? Contested. Contested. None. You get a cookie. <laughs> so here's the point. Okay, he was, oh, I don't know how many years ago, everybody called him 1% Joe. I don't know where they came up with that phrase. You know, Mike Tyson said, yeah, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face. I, I think that was Tyson. But the bottom line is this, is I think Biden Biden's going to get hit in the face in early primary, and he's just going to sink. And the, the whole damn party apparatus is going to, Panic like hell. Um, I just, it's my gut telling me. I mean, 73, I predicted this guy was going to lose by 2,500 votes. He lost by 2,506 votes. His wife didn't care for my prediction either, but that was another story. Um, wait, been, so you, wait, you predicted that? And you want, you know, I'll tell you who, what else I predicted. Okay, everybody was talking about a big red wave. Okay. And you know who Larry Sabato is? Name sounds familiar. Yeah, well, he's he, he's Sabato's crystal ball. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, this is weeks before the uh, November election. Nobody was predicting. Well, guess what? I predicted it within one. I said 223, to, I mean, 222 to 213. And I think I said 223 to 212. I was off by one and I was like, you know, I've, I've seen that. I see this stuff. Okay. It's not cause I'm, what do you call it? Um, psychic. It's just, I've been around this stuff for, for years. I mean, outside of the time in the army and a, and a time traveling the, uh, the country, I've been in politics for years and I've been watching, you know, people, I look at their, what they do, uh, how many yard signs they got. What type of yard signs they got? How many mailers? Okay. How many coffees? Back in the old days, you know, you went house, you know, and you had the candidate would go and have a coffee with a bunch of little old ladies, you know, all kinds of stuff. So no, I think, um, I think Joe Biden's going to get hit in the mouth. I really do. And I'm telling you that it's my opinion. I think he's got a glass jaw. Okay. Um, I don't think I don't I I don't think Kennedy needs that much. And the other thing is you you take a look at uh, Jimmy Dore's uh, uh, interview and Russell Brand's interview. The man has got body language. Okay, he's onto something. He knows something. I could be way off, but if you see that guy's body language, it, 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 the guy's confident. I mean, he's really confident, and uh, I don't think a man like him is going to, you know, kid himself. So um, that's what I think about it. And uh, what else? Um, and it's I'm just amazed that in 2023, Bobby Kennedy Jr. wears short sleeve shirts and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? 
Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? Anyway, but I enjoy uh, uh, listening to you. I listened to you earlier today, and, and um, uh, you know, I well, I just enjoy it and uh, keep up the good work. That's it. Thank you so much, Stephen. All right. We'll talk later. All righty. Another day. Okay, bye-bye. Let's go ahead and bring in Peter. What's going on, Peter? Hi. Good evening, Sabi. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I am good. Yeah, I uh, I brought in this uh, emancipation statute last time. So I want to bring another interesting thing I found on the Internet. So on YouTube, this uh, there is a clip uh, in the Activist News Network. Uh, I think this guy does his... Uh, gig on the Sponic radio. So he interviewed the Professor Gerald Horn on implications and urgent calls for support for the Uhuru movement in face of an indictment. That clip got only 973 views in three weeks. I was quite shocked because I'm aware of the, uh, the divide between the, I guess the African Americans and the Africans, but I and I do know Uhuru is a, a. I think they are a like a Pan Africanist political party. Yeah, I've I've interviewed them. You interviewed them. You you you, you think I, I thought Professor Gerald Home probably is the one of the very few real deal out there mm-hmm. when it comes to the. Uh, the, uh, the 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 cause for for lack of better expression, yeah, right. And I was shocked that for three weeks only nine hundred seventy three <laughs> views, and he I'm literally not. calling for support for Uhuru's movement in face of indictment. I'm and not surprised, Peter. You're not surprised, okay? <laughs> okay. No, and it's, it has nothing to do with Gerald Horn. It has to do with the content at hand. Um. Uh, for those who are not aware, unfortunately, <laughs> surprise, surprise, YouTube is pretty biased. And the thing is, and, you know, us and like, we've talked about this, like at RBN, like I've talked to the guys about this at RBN as well. Uh, Nick recently interviewed Nelson Mandela's grandson. Similar thing. You know, uh, not many views at all. This is Nelson Mandela's grandson. Not many views. And it's not the first time it's happened. What I've noticed, see, I, I took a class. I had to do it for my job. I'm glad I'm not at that job anymore. But at the time when I was at BU, one of the programs that I was working on, they were actually looking to start a YouTube channel. And unfortunately, some of my students realized I was on YouTube and I was like, fuck. So <laughs> they mentioned it to the program director and said, well, Sabrina does YouTube, does has like a show. And so they actually came to me and basically said, like, we're thinking about starting a YouTube channel for this program only to help us get more recruits because this was actually like right into COVID 
And we lost a lot of applicants because it had been already announced that we were not going to do 100% on-site instruction, which means that only a certain amount of students could be in the classroom at a time. This was the whole six, six feet distance rule. You guys probably remember this. So we lost some of the people that we got. Like we basically actually got more uh, enrollment numbers than we were supposed to get. So we were actually ahead of our target. But after that notice came out from the president at Boston University to the students, we started to lose applicants because they wanted a hundred percent in class instruction, which Boston University was not going to do at that point in time. This was right in the thick of COVID. So anywho, obviously we got a, a, a lecture from the Dean who got a lecture from donors. <laughs> I told you higher ed kind of functions like politics in a sense that like the donors kind of have the last say. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, we had to find a way to get those numbers up because they dropped so low and it had never been that low. So they thought that a way we could really promote the program better was to have a YouTube channel that featured everything that we had done the year before, all the social events, the projects, the academics, all of that together. And since I actually kept track of all those things and I took a lot of pictures and videos and all that. They wanted me to take this class. So in order to make the channel very successful. So I took a YouTube class and that's, this is what a lot of people may not realize about me. I took a YouTube class and even though I had a YouTube channel at that time, like I didn't realize just how biased YouTube was until I took that fucking class. Now, they paid for it. Here's what I found out. Black uh, names and Black figures and Black vocabulary does not work with the algorithm. That's inter so, interesting. Yes. So unless you are already a large channel, so like if uh, Uhuru Movement came on breaking points, that video would get way more views. But for people that don't already have like hundreds and thousands of subscribers, your video of a Huru movement is not gonna get as many views. And that is because the algorithm does not push out black content, black names, and also uh, black radicals. It doesn't push that out into the algorithm. Mm -hmm. So some of you say, well, Sabi, I found your video because it was recommended. Great. What video was that? Was that the video where I interviewed Amali Yeshitela? I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Uh, interesting. I have not yeah. seen that one because I'm pretty active watcher of those. And your interview with him was never presented to me uh, okay. at all. Interesting. No, that was in September. And... I know this because if I go into YouTube studio, I can click on any video that I have and YouTube studio will show me where the views came from. Mm. If I click on that video, it'll show me that video was not recommended. 
Mm. So I know which videos were pushed out into the algorithm and I know which videos were people clicked on this video because it was recommended to them. Mm -hmm. It tells you all of that information. Mm -hmm. So that being said, this is exactly how YouTube works. And that's unfortunate. And Gerald Horn is like freaking brilliant. We had him. Yeah, yes, he's the best. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, he came to our anti-imperialist summit on RBN. He's like, great, right? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, like I said, the algorithm pushes out certain names. So like, for example, if you have one of the Hulu movements, let's say you have one of Molly Yeshitala and you don't have, I'm going to be real. If you don't have at least 50,000 subscribers, that video is not going to get as many views. Mm. But let's say you brought on Richard Wolf and you don't have 50,000 subscribers, that video is going to get more views. That's wow. how the algorithm works. The algorithm is also not fond of certain words that are connected to the black community. So for example, even the word black doesn't work well in the algorithm. Mm. This is where you learn like search engine optimization, uh -huh. which is actually very important for YouTube. And a lot of people don't realize this, especially if you're a smaller channel, if you don't know how to use those tags in the right way, and you don't have like TubeBuddy, which is an extension to add on to YouTube, you're just shooting in the fucking dark. And then you wonder why, like, why is it this video that is so important and so good? Why is it this video may only have 200 views? Because the algorithm works with certain words and certain uh, people. So some of you may be hearing this and you're like, well, what about like when people interview black people like LeBron or Kanye, those channels already have a large following. Mm -hmm. So the people are going to see it anyway. But if you have less than 50,000 subscribers, most of the time, and you're talking about like black content and stuff like that. Now that doesn't prevent me from talking about it. I still talk about it, mm -hmm. but I also notice when I clip those stories, those, those clips never get as many views as the others. That's so interesting. It's, isn't it's almost like a similar to restaurant in old days, not to serve uh, black customers or serve them on the separate sections and know that. I mean, they have their own algorithm too back then. And, uh, you know, it's in their brain, not in the computer. But what's the difference? You know, but, but this is good to know for, for, for me. I did not realize that. And, uh, and I have a presidential politics question. Why can M Michelle Obama do what Donald Trump did? Coming out of a comfortable life and run for president and save our country. Michelle Obama, number one, is not going to save this country. Um, and number two, Michelle Obama hates politics. And a lot of people may not realize this, but she's talked about this a couple of times in interviews. And I read her book a couple of years ago called Becoming. Some of you may have read this book. It's called Becoming. Some people think it's called Becoming Michelle Obama. It's actually just called Becoming by Michelle Obama. I read that book because I'm nosy as fuck. Okay. So I read the book and I found out that Michelle Obama never, ever wanted to participate in politics ever. And the reason why is because she was friends with Jesse Jackson's daughter. I don't know if everybody knows this. At one point, they went to school together and she saw the toll that Jesse Jackson's election had on his family. 
And after that, she said she never wanted to be a part of politics. When Barack Obama chose to run, even for state office, she was against it. She was also against when he decided to run for president. Barack Obama did that shit anyway. So what that tell you about Obama? Uh, okay. Got it. Thank you. I, I, I was like, I thought, I thought she has a very good favorable rating. Way better, I think, than Trump, Biden, RFK, all of them. So anyway, uh, I have three questions for RFK in case you, you land an uh, interview with him. And uh, I'll be quick. So first question. Biden family is Irish, Catholic, and corrupt. Some people will say the same thing about the Kennedy family. How you, would you overcome that? The first question. Peter? Straight, yeah. straight. Peter went straight for the neck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I cut to the chase. Make it real. Make it plain. Second question. Have you made any speech in your life so far that are as inspiring as your father's and your uncle's? If Damn, not, Peter, these are brutal. Uh, why not? If you not, if you say no, why we should vote for you? Damn it. Third question. You say you will deal with the CIA and the deep state, but Donald Trump may say, and he will say that he is an actual victim of the deep state over and over again. How will you convince the voters that you are more committed to end the deep state as we know it? So that's my three question suggestion to you. So I hope you can lend an interview with him because he's from Massachusetts and you're from Massachusetts too. Yeah. And I think I put on the form that like there was an option for in-person or virtual. And I said, well, if he's over this way on the East coast, I could do in person. And now I look back on it and I'm like, I really hope they don't say in person. <laughs> 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 no, I, go in person and ask him tough questions. I mean, the, the, I mean, the mainstream uh, media, they, they just, you know, they are the promoter of the candidates. They, they never ask tough questions. You, you are different. And I know, I know, you know, uh, Katie is also different. So, so yeah, thank you for taking my call. I don't mean to take too much of it time because I know there's other callers. Peter, I thought you were joking when you said, hey, uh, Michelle Obama run for president. No, I'm not joking. I actually, he's quite desperate for this country because we do not have a, a leader with the moral high ground. Uh, yeah, she, she doesn't have moral high ground. I'm she sorry. does not? Okay. Okay. No, all right. No. Okay. Elitist, all that stuff. Got it. Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you, Roger. Yeah, Michelle right. sold out. Michelle sold out. Let's go ahead and bring in Anthony. Anthony, what is up, Anthony? You have to unmute. Oh, I haven't heard from Anthony in a while. Do you have to unmute though, Anthony? Uh-oh. Let me invite you to speak and see if that fixes the problem. While we're waiting on Anthony, anything you want to add, Roger? Um, what do you call it? Uh... Nope, can't think of anything. <laughs> God, Roger has oh. nothing to say. Oh, go ahead. Ah, uh, now nah, you know I'm about to pick somebody up. Going, going, okay. uh, going dark, going dark. Okay, 
So Anthony, hon, um, you have to unmute. You may not be getting that mute button or maybe gray. So I invited you to speak. Let me know when you're ready to come back. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and, oh, there you go. Hello. Hello. What's up? Not much. Chilling. Happy summertime. It's not quite summer where I am yet, but I feel you. I feel you. Oh, yeah. Almost there. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> What's your well, take on this, Anthony? Yeah, I will. I well, I just the little clip of RFK that they put out. I, I saw breaking points, and I was pretty happy to see something he said in there that he wouldn't um, see himself. He wouldn't support anyone who supports the Ukraine war, which I guess kind of excluded Marianne and Biden is what I heard from him in the breaking points. Yeah. No, I was glad he said that. It was a way of like, it was a way of saying he's not going to support them without calling them out by name, but we all know who he's talking about, basically. Yep. What do want to say um, what his plan B is? Because I, I don't know. I, I guess I could see why he wouldn't want to say that, too, even if he did or didn't have one, just because he's trying to, like, at least pretend to be a Democrat for the time being or something. I don't know. It's a weird yeah, strategy. Someone else, but... mentioned that, someone else mentioned that, too, during the live stream. Um, Steven mentioned that. He said, Sabrina, he may not want to tell people that, like, while he's in the interview. And I get that too, but at the same time, it's like, you got to think about where people are coming from. We're coming from two Bernie campaigns in a row. So people kind of want to hear like, if you create like a movement around this campaign, are you going to continue that movement or are you going to peace out? People kind of want to know, you know? (laughs) Good point. Good point. I, um, I don't like everything, you know, I've heard, but it, you know, from like good people in the CIA to in the Ukraine for the right reasons. But I mean, um, it's just kind of a little nitpicking, but it, it is important stuff, but I guess just, I'm interested so far. I'm, you know, I'm not really, I'm for, I'm for like RFK, no doubt about it, but I'm not like knocking doors and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you so much, Anthony. All right, let's bring in Edu. I think I know. Edu? I think I know why uh Dwayne's not here on purpose. It's like that guy that lost the bet on who's gonna uh win a game and then they don't show up to answer uh Ashura's question. Oh maybe <laughs> Dwayne's working. We never know. We I never know. <laughs> What's Much going love on, Edu? Oh, hi. Sorry. Do we do we do? Sabi. Um, I think I I missed I I I didn't mean to call, but uh, since I um I'm on the queue, I guess uh, uh I'll be delighted to join in the conversation. Um, you know, as a speaker. Um, so I I thought that the interview was interesting. I hope you get to ask her ask um, RFK Jr. some questions if you get to interview him. Um, do you think after this interview, um, Crystal, especially, you know, being BFF with um, Marianne, will I sort of try to 
balance out the, you know, the coverage that she, she does of RFK Jr. What do you mean? Like, you know, um, so when the, when she, co- when Breaking Points covered like uh, RFK Jr.'s announcement uh, that he was running, uh, she just sort of like, you know, uh, went tangential of like some random incident that happened at the event. She didn't really cover, like they didn't really cover the substance of like his message, you know, like it, like from that point, like that was like another like signal that like, you know, she she was doing the whole access journalism uh, towards Marianne Williamson and like not really like treating RFK at the same level than Marianne. And like, you know, it has been the popular opinion, like the results that he has shown in the polls that has sort of made, pushed even people on the left, on the online left, to sort of like consider, like, you know, not 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 you or RBN, but like meaning like the, like as, as CJ says, the, the PMC um, left of mm-hmm. like, um, consider like RFK Jr. as a more like credible, uh, alternative than Marianne. It depends on what your values are. Like if you are anti-war, like that's a really big issue to you, then you're more likely to be aligned with RFK Jr., right? So it depends on what her values are. Like, I don't know Crystal. I've never interviewed her. I've never talked to her, so I don't know. Um, but I will say that Again, this is why you can't be friends with politicians. Like, I'm trying to tell you, like, the thing is, is this is like, once you're friends with them, you're kind of expected to cover them in such a way. And yeah, you could be critical of them here and there, but you can't be overly critical of them or else they're going to have something to say. That's why you can't be their friend. And I think like, for me, like, I'm not like buddies with either one of them. So for me, it's like, I can cover this in an objective way. Now, I don't, focus as much on Marianne um, because most of that coverage has been done on RBN like CJ covered Marianne's announcement the day she announced I was actually at Worker Strike back that day so that's why I did not cover it Um, but I did cover RFK Jr.'s announcement here on the ground in Boston because it was right here in Boston Um, and that is a part of my job you know like but the problem with Marianne Williamson announcement is that it actually happened at the same time as the worker strike back launch. And that was a problem because Shama Sawan had already announced that that was the day that she was going to, you know, announce worker strike back and there was going to be all this coverage. So for me, it was just like, I had already signed up for that. So I couldn't do the Marianne thing and the worker strike back thing the same day because they, they overlapped so I think that's a that's a that's a big part of the the problem though is that like you can't it's going to be hard for you to be completely object objective if you're if you're your buddies with them like I'm not friends with RFK Jr. I'm not friends with Marianne Williamson I've interviewed Marianne a couple of times but we're not buddies like I don't have her number I can't call her like some people can like some people like they've gone to dinner with Marianne. I've never even seen Marianne in person. So for me, it's a little bit different. And I think that in order to cover these candidates objectively, I think it's important that you're not buddies and bros with them. If you're your buddy or bro, then that means that like, you're going to have a little bit of favoritism towards your buddy. 
And that's just how it is. Now, we all know when it comes to the policies, I don't align with Marianne on some of the policies. Like, I don't align with her on the war stance. I don't align with her, even with her reparation stance. I agree with reparations. But as as I showed you guys on stream, when she had a reparations activist challenge her on the dollar amount that she had, you know, Marcel Dixon was actually correct about that. And me and Marcel don't agree on everything. We really don't. And we know we don't agree on everything. But we agree on that dollar amount. That dollar amount was incorrect. And the study and the research shows you that. So I think that's one thing, the Israel-Palestine thing we don't agree on. I would ask RFK Jr. about Israel and Palestine. I would press him on that the same way I asked Marianne about that. Like, there's no favoritism with that shit. Like, look, I'm going to tell you right now. I'll tell him the same thing. If you are against BDS, not trying to rock with you, boo. Just is what it is. Not trying to rock with you because this whole thing, if, if he tells me one well, for a two-state solution, I'm going to tell him the same thing that we said to Marianne. We talked to the Palestinian network. They made it very clear to us that that is not a viable option. Same thing. What will happen, you know, like this is speculation here, but like what will happen in an instance, you know, like the, the Democrats already rigged the primaries. They said like, no, no, you know, like <clears throat> no debates, they're rearranging the states. And what would happen, for instance, if in an instance that like Joe Biden is like unable to run, like would that throw a way out? Like the primaries would like, will the DNC have to like, reconfigure the rules again and allow more candidates or we'll just like say okay you Kamala you run I, like what will happen in an instance like that like do you think it's strategic for like RFK to say like let me throw my hat in the ring even though I know like I'm not I don't have a, an opportunity but if something like that like happens to Biden like I could potentially be considered um I don't Joe Biden is not going to debate them that's just the reality. Like, and I think that maybe Marianne and RFK Jr. could have a debate with someone else could host it, like on another platform, maybe like on Twitter, like Kim Iverson suggested, but Joe Biden is not going to debate them. He doesn't have to. And because he doesn't have to, he's not going to do it. They're trying to limit his contact with the press as much as possible. They're trying to make it so that Joe Biden doesn't have to speak publicly as much as possible because his his cognitive decline is getting worse. And I think we can all see it right before. Our I see. Um, yeah, no, I think that was it for me tonight. Thank you, Sabi. Awesome. Let's go ahead and bring in beyond you are the next caller on the mizike hey 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 what's <laughs> up <John? laughs> what's up i'm hearing some background noise oh maybe my probably, phone that was me that was probably the fan okay no i think it was my phone actually my i had youtube open um rfk huh I think, I think um, if I were him, I would consider 
picking a running mate as soon as possible. Why do you say that? Um, as an independent voter, I look at him, I think, okay, like, I like, you know, some of his ideas, but he's kind of coming out of nowhere a little bit, it seems. And I know it's, it's his, his image scares me. Not what scares me. What do you mean? I by just that? mean, I just mean like, I feel like he doesn't him. I feel like he doesn't come across as strong enough to me and he doesn't come across um, like, how do I put it? Like, he, yeah, he just doesn't come across as like, okay, he can, he can win this. He can beat Trump. Ooh, that's interesting. You know, I don't, But I think, plus, you know, he's got that Kennedy curse maybe going on. Who knows if that's a real thing? But I think if it were me, like if I'm, if he's looking for my vote, I want to know who he has in mind for his backup choice. I want to know who he trusts and who he thinks would be there to carry out his vision should anything happen. And I want to know that ASAP. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, let's bring in, um, Jonathan, Jonathan, what's your take on this? Uh, beyond brought up an interesting point. He doesn't think that RFK Jr. is strong enough. Just got to unmute. Hey, Sabby. Um, this is what I think. I, I actually agree with Steven when he said earlier that, um, I think that I think RFK and, and you alluded to this earlier that he might win New Hampshire, and when that happens, all holy holy hell is going to break loose. They're not going to know what to do. Um, the polls show that people don't want Biden. They don't want to. They definitely want to debate. Um, and with him winning New Hampshire, it's going to be put out there. Okay, there is an actual challenger. Um, that's my take on that. Um, I think that the questions that you're going to ask him are really good. Those are questions that he, de- that he we definitely need to know. Um, I don't, but he he's already. But one thing I don't get, and you said this before, is that he's aware that he's not going to win. He's aware that he's not going to get the nomination. He even explained how he's not going. To, he's not going to get the nomination, yet he's still going to run. I think, for me, um, it's more about an intention to draw attention to what's going on with the system. Now, this is what I I might plan on doing. I might register to be a Democrat, not because I have this hope and faith that, you know, he's going to win. It's because I want people to see how corrupt this system really is. That the fact is that they will not allow a debate at all. And then I can use my voice and say, okay, I'm supporting this guy. I want him to debate. And if we live in a true democracy, there should be a debate. You know that people, you will not believe, there are people out there that don't believe that Joe Biden should debate because they just, they're just so, as Nick says, they have Trump derangement syndrome. They're yep. so afraid of Trump winning that they, they're like, do whatever you have to do 
to keep um, keep him out the White House. That includes not having a debate, putting Joe Biden. Some people actually would, they don't even care if Joe Biden was in a vegetative state. They just don't want Trump. It's that, that's how deranged people are. No, you're right about that. You're right. Um, and and talking about people with um, cognitive decline, I put this in the chat um, earlier um, on your show that um, <laughs> I, I watched Breaking Points. And if you think Joe Biden's cognitive decline is something else, he ain't got nothing on Diane Feinstein. He <laughs> is worse, way worse. It's to the point where the Democratic Party is about to say, you know, you got to go because it's, it's that bad. You can't even hide it anymore. It's really awful. The pictures that they showed of her in a wheelchair, it's, 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 it's elder abuse. This is purely elder abuse. Well, she, she want to be there, though. She come, she the one coming back. But they're saying that she's so, she's so out of it that she doesn't know. Like, before she knew, but they're saying, like, her cognitive decline, her, 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 um, her dementia is so bad that she just, she's going with the flow. She doesn't really know what's going on around her. So it's like, okay, it's another day for her. That's what they're saying. I mean, allegedly. That's interesting. Well, beyond, I'm curious, who would you like to see him pick for uh, VP? Um, I... Oh, this is going to sound horrible, but somebody who exudes honor... Okay. I don't. There's no, there's no name I can name that I've seen so far, really. <laughs> that that uh, that fits that bill. Um, you know, there's that saying: politics attracts the worst kind of people, right? So, it, it it's a challenge. I don't think it's impossible, but who knows? It could be a nobody. That's the thing. Oh, you know what I mean? I know. So I can tell you, I don't think it has to be like the whole point, like part of, part of Trump's appeal is like outside the, you know, rogue, like that was the whole thing. That was the whole thing. And I think if RFK did that, if he found someone that he trusted, you know what I mean? Not a, not a, not a, Oh, you know, are you pop? You know what I mean? Not necessarily a purely political choice, but someone he trusts to, to carry out his legacy. Should he take the seat? I think that would also force the conversation to, well, then who would Trump pick? Who would DeSantis pick? You know what I mean? So then there's a year and a half of people able to consider that as well. Considering that the intense climate we're in, where anything can happen. So I can go ahead and tell you that um, there is one name that has been floated, and I don't agree with this name, but... Someone contacted me and said they think that Tulsi Gabbard should be his running mate. I actually disagree um, because, again, I want to be very real about this. Tulsi Gabbard is not anti-war. I've got to be very clear. <laughs> I don't know why people think this. Because if you change the country of, of Ukraine and Russia and you switch it to China, she's not anti-war. She also approves some of the drone strikes. That's not anti-war. But that is exactly what was floated my way. Um, people reached out and they said Tulsi Gabbard should be his running mate. And I was like, eh, <laughs> I don't think so, bud. I do not think so. 
Um, actually, I have somebody that I would pick. Actually, they're actually floating this guy. Now, he's not running, but um, and you haven't covered him, which I thought was unique, Sabby, but um, he's not running for he's not running for president, but people have been wanting him to run for president, Eric Mays. Who who is that? It sounds familiar. He's the um, councilman from Flint. Right. Right. <laughs> he, is, he is no joke. <laughs> he he is no joke. I would vote. People are actually saying like they want him to run for president because he does not hold back. Um, what do y'all think about him? Sure. Why not? That would be interesting. Oh, by the way, Jonathan, you have a uh, iPhone, don't you? Of course I do. I have since. Yes. I knew it. Last, last. Really quick, cut the Pentagon said, can RFK Jr. get Kucinich as his running mate? What about Ajamu Baraka? So Ajamu is Green Party. So he wouldn't run through the Democratic Party. That's why like, he ran with Jill Stein. And Dennis Kucinich, actually, he is like his campaign manager, I believe. So he, he spoke actually first at his announcement. So actually, Dennis Kucinich, that might be, that actually might not be a bad idea. Well, what's, what do you what's think? What's McKinney been up to lately? Let me tell you. So when I when I talked to Cynthia McKinney uh, last time, I asked her if she would be willing to, you know, give it a go, give it another go. And she said, well, she wouldn't say never, but she also said she lives in Asia. So like she would have to move back here. She don't want WDED boys on us, went to a whole different country. Dang, is it? Okay. All right. Yeah, she teaches over there. She teaches, you know. Um, you know, I'm wondering, like, I should add, I should bring Jesse Ventura back on and ask him if he he would be interested in doing it. Oh, uh, uh, Savvy, please don't bring him back on. Uh, no, no, that that interview <laughs> did. Your interview was was not. It wasn't too because you know you're you're excellent. He was horrible. But what? The, oh God, Savvy, that pissed me off because when you interviewed with him, he was like all over the place. When he interviewed with Chris Ball, oh, he was sharp as a tack. I'm like, oh, wait, wait. So you interview with a black woman, you act like you ain't got no sense. But when you interview with a white woman, all of a sudden you just, oh, you on it. Okay, you know what? That's a whole nother issue I'm going to get into. But yeah, if you saw the interview with Chris Ball, he didn't act any way. Well, he did come up a few times. But other, than that, but other than that, he did not act the same way that he did when he was with you. He was totally different. And that really pissed me off. But sorry. Damn. I'm sorry. Um, well, I was going to ask him if he would be interested in <laughs> like being his running mate. But actually, um, Dennis Kucinich might be the best bet, actually. Neoliberal tears, I lost you. I can invite you to speak. Oh. Oh, shoot. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. Um, I like what Margaret said. Mar Maggie said, Shahid the Poutar. I forgot about him. Damn. Well, Shahid he might. Actually, he might run for um, uh, Diane Feinstein. Steve, come think about it. If when it becomes available, because they're going to get rid of her soon, so he might run for that seat instead. But that's the Shahi Batar. Even think about him. That's a good one. Jonathan. Uh, he likes. He's more Team Marianne, by the way. 
Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. At least he said that. He said that on Bad Faith. He said that, like, he's really excited about Marianne's run, so. Oh, oh, Jonathan. I'm here. Should be Jimmy Dore. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy won't do it. Everybody keeps playing. I know, they seem pretty good friends. (laughs) Everyone keeps trying to get him to run. No, so, they, would, they would tear Jimmy apart. They would really come after Jimmy, I think. He won't do it. <laughs> the, uh, what do you call it? The um, the video you was talking about before, because um, it's been a while since you've been on here, uh, uh, Jonathan. But the video you was talking about before, about uh, a Wolf um, talking about against reparations because he was... Um, talking about the uh, backlash that would yeah, happen. Yeah, Savvy emailed me about that. He he told me that she gave the right video. So, yeah. The Savvy already... So, oh, so... Okay. Yeah, I, told well, I, was, I told him it was still there. Yeah. No, no, but see, I was, I was going to say that's because you have an iPhone. You see what I'm saying? Because if you have a, a, a Samsung phone, its operating system is Android. Android is owned by Google. Google owns YouTube. So I could tell, like, for instance, if I tell someone to search something and it takes them forever, it, like if I tell them to do a YouTube search, it takes them forever to do it. I'm like, what's going on? I find out they have an iPhone. So it, it kind of favors if you have, you know, a, a Samsung, which has a, uh, which is a Google phone, which is a YouTube phone, it favors um, a quicker search. A more accurate search. I don't know if you can hear me because I'm are in the you, link. Are you serious? I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's the reason why I ask people, you know, when people say, hey, Sabrina, or they'll say, hey, Harlan's Media, hey, whatever, right? They say, I never got a notification from YouTube. Yeah. I always ask, them, what type of phone do you have? Because I always get YouTube notifications from everyone. Happens like boom, no problem. You know, because I what? What do you have? iPhone or Samsung? Well, uh, Samsung, which which is which is which is the uh, Android operating system, which is owned by Google, and Google also owns YouTube. But so do I, and I still don't get notifications from certain channels. Oh, oh. yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and I can Eric, search- Eric, do you? Eric, do you have an Android or iPhone? I'm curious. See, now I'm curious. And I Android, and it's Google doesn't own Android technically, but they're they're like a primary sponsor. But yeah, I mean, it, it gets into like the app. You know, it, it's going to be you know a, a different app on the different phones, and then whether you're in on a browser, it gets into a lot of different things. But the you know, the algorithms don't like us. You know, we know that much, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm serious. I don't know how y'all um, do it um, with the Android phone. I, I did that for years, and no. And unfortunately, I'm part of the ecosystem, so if I have to use a PC, it's my work PC, and I don't like using that. So, um, like I said, I don't know how y'all do it, but okay. 
y'all do what y'all do what y'all can, but nah. I don't know how you. I feel the same way about Apple. I don't know how you <laughs> iPhone people use it because you guys can't yeah. hold the charge. Oh damn, that's messed up. Oh, we cracking we cracking jokes on uh, different phones now. It's on now. <laughs> Listen, I can tell you why I never switched over to iPhone. I wanted one one time, and I went into it was Sprint at the time. The sport switched over to T-Mobile. But they were, the woman told me, she was like, have you ever had an iPhone before? And I was like, no. And she was like, how long have you had Android? And I was like, for years. And she was like, you're not going to like having an iPhone. And she said, first of all, if you drop it and break the screen, that's it. And I was like, oh, because I dropped my phone all the time. Never broke a screen. I'm not going to lie. The first, and I was like, Did I? the first day I bought my what iPhone, I cried. I literally cried. I didn't know what I was doing. I had a, and I had a, I, and I had an iPad before that. I, I had to go to Apple and had to teach. I was like, y'all got to teach me how to use this because I don't know how to. But the reason why I switched over is because I had two Samsung before my iPhone. Every one of them died. My iPhone, the last iPhone before, because it was too old, that phone lasted me for a good five years. No problems. Until I became a plan, uh, until I got, you know, into the plan obsolescent and my battery was dying and I had to get a new phone. But other than that, no. My Samsung, even when I changed out my battery, back in the day when you used to change out your battery, nah, I've been, I bought the iPhone, got a MacBook, Mac Mini, two iPads, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the system. All I'm missing is a few accessories and yeah, so I'm anti-capitalist and I'm an, and I'm a proud Mac, uh, Apple user. So talk about the Catch-22. <laughs> A lot of it comes down to what you used to. I think you know if you used one or the other for a long time, then it's then when you look at the other type, it, it looks really weird and and bad. But you guys have FaceTime. That's the thing I get jealous about. You guys have FaceTime, and like my sister and my dad both have iPhone. Now let me tell you something. My mother has an iPhone, and she always hits the wrong button. I'm like, oh god, just just, just take your pixel back. Oh my god, like. Old people on iPhones is a no-no, and one thing that I old miss people on any phones. Yeah, one thing I miss about the Android phone is the scheduled text. That's one thing Apple doesn't have, which I hate. I used to miss. I used to love my scheduled texts. I have scheduled texts on this thing. On the Samsung, you should. On my Samsung, I did. I had the Samsung Note two, and I think after that was the shift. I have the. I have the Note 8. Oh, no, sorry, 10. I have Note 10 I'm speaking to you on. You should. Okay, now I might have to do a, a, a search on how to do a scheduled text. Of, you know, you can I just bring up to. Zoom if you want to do a FaceTime-like conversation that runs on everything. Oh, I know, oh, yeah. but it's not the same. You want FaceTime, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Sabrina, oh. um... I was talking to, um, what do you call it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so about two hours ago, um, the guy, there was someone on here um, talking about, like, he, he wasn't really down for nuclear energy and so on and so forth. Well, you can use as, like, an alternative. So, okay, so here's the thing. I've been doing, like, a little bit of research, and... The whole thing now is, is supposed to be white gold, right? Instead of black gold, oil, white gold, lithium, okay? And I was looking at 
we can mine for that here. But then I was saying to myself, we don't have to go the way of the of, that the world is going. You know, where there's a race for lithium. Not to mention, I saw some, um, what do you call that thing? I saw, um, uh, 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 I saw some research about if we were to do it here, then we would be disturbing the ecosystem of some indigenous uh, uh, land because they, um, some type of excavation of it or whatever, and not like poisoning their water and stuff like that. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want to do that, right? So, but I, what I was looking at is that, you know, like I know me, me and Reef Breland from IN, and we was talking and you know you can make batteries and components out of hemp you know and I was sending him some videos and stuff you know he was telling me about his um, mom's uh, you can was I able to come in hello oh yeah no I'm just joking I was just gonna say you're gonna make a battery out of wood too <laughs> well they they did say um hemp and it was it was pretty amazing. I was watching a video of it or whatever. So what I'm saying is is this: we don't have to go the way of the world. Where everyone's there's this race to lithium, you know, because you're kind of like taken away from the earth, and you don't want to um, disturb native land and stuff like that. But if we invested in hemp, that's giving back to the earth because that is like nourishing the earth, and you know. You probably get some in indigenous people to uh, do some type of partnership to grow it or something, or some type of uh, producer agricultural cooperative or something like that to create a, a supply chain, you know, something like that. I, I was saying. So I just brought that up because we was just talking about phones. Well, actually, I bought phones up. And um, it always kind of it always kind of takes you back to the same place though, like 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 with nuclear. It's like we don't have a government right now that's capable of regulating it. You know, they're totally captured. And and so, you know, whether well, it's, much... it's nuclear or whether it's batteries or whether it's clean would... energy, you know, if, if we have this shitty, captured, corrupt, bought out corporate government, then the results are going to be shitty and it's not going to work. Well, I always said, you know, I you got to fix said, the system. I always said that to do nuclear or anything like that, it would have to be either nationalized, stationalized, municipalized, or cooperatized. Okay, I don't want private equity doing that. So yeah, I, I You're going to have to do a lot of fixing that. to get there, you know? That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Well, of course. Well, well, we could do it. Wanna, I just want to get back to Beyond, and then we have Brady and Kirby, um, a neoliberal. Uh, Beyond, was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, yeah, as you guys were tossing out names, um, RFK, you know, let's just say, uh, we, we were to like take the, the number one issue and make it war, right? He's anti-war, maybe an oversimplification, but that's the idea. Is that, is that fair to say you think? Yeah. Okay. So just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, okay. Then, if you're going to pick a VB, VP, make them anti-civil war. Given the, and address where we are right now, like things are heated. 
let's see if we can avoid this at all costs. And I think it would be not crazy to think about pulling someone from the military, someone who's seen the horrors of war firsthand. Um, huh. You know, who has, there was, I remember there was a soldier back. I can't remember if it was when we were pulling out of Afghanistan or something. Um, he gained a little bit. Of, I saw him like on a few segments. Um, he was calling out, uh, his superiors for something. And he got, I can't remember his name though. Um, but you know, somebody like, like that, who gets it because the thing is Biden, Kamala, Trump, none of them have seen battle. You're talking about Matt. You're talking about Matt Ho. I interviewed Matt, Matthew Ho. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there's more than one of them, but I just mean like who, who gets it, who's lived it. None of them can say they've been in battle, but they want to send, they're totally okay sending troops wherever. You know what I mean? You know, there was never, and, we don't have this requirement in the U.S. government that like, and this is something I, I did question this and I, I've changed my opinion on this, but years ago, if you were to come to me and say like, what are the qual the qualifications to be president of the United States? I would have told people like, I think you should have had to have served in the U.S. military because you are going to be commander in chief. That was one of the requirements that I think should have been should have been implemented at that point in time. That was years ago. Now, this is like pre Obama savvy. So just keep that in mind. But I really did believe that. I believe that to be president of the U.S., you should have had to have some military experience because you were going to be commander in chief. Um, but. I mean, as time went by, obviously, like I grew and like I changed, um, but I get where you're coming from. Like, like Matthew Hull would be great. I did ask Matthew. I said, Matthew, would you ever consider running for, by the way, and Matthew would never do Democratic Party. I want to be very clear about that for people listening. Matthew Hull would never run through the Democratic Party. He's never even voted for a Democrat. So I've had this discussion with him multiple times and you know, he ran as a green um, for Senate and he's just not in support of the duopoly. So I want to be very clear about that. But Matthew told me that he is not interested in running for president. Um, and so I, I would I guess I'd put vice president close to that, too. Like he wasn't looking for that type of position. Um, but I know a lot of people mentioned him over and over. Like, what about Matthew Ho? I actually interviewed Matthew Ho at the Julian Assange rally, which I live streamed, which was last October. And I asked him on camera, would you ever consider running for president? And he said, no. So that, that answers that question for people who have been wondering, what about Matthew? I say... What about we us running a ballot initiative? You know, like we're throwing all these names out or whatever. You know these politicians ain't going to do anything. If you want something done, do it where you at right there. You know what I mean? The, um, the grassroots is favored by a large time window. But as that window begins to narrow and close, the um, advantage goes to big money. You know, time favors the grassroots because it gives you time to build momentum 
even though the um the the election is in November in most states you have to have those petitions for it to for your um, initiative to appear on the ballot by July so you have a little over a year you're in a couple of months I say whatever it is that you want start doing it where you at you know because it doesn't matter these people you know there's a terrible, um, what do you call it? There's a terrible uh, 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 field of people to choose from. And like I said, they're going to get in there. And now they got to, oh, I got to make, I got to wheel and deal. And I got to, you know, uh, do transactional stuff. You rub my back, I rub yours. And all that different type of stuff. You ain't got to do any of that when you go through the initiative process. You know, you just got to, you know, you know, uh, find out how it's done in your state. I got all I got all the rules of, of, of each of the state of, of what it is that you got to know what to do, and, you know, and just do it, you know, get that you get presidential election days are the best time to get it on because that goes before the most eyeballs. You know, it's it's kind of, um, you know, you kind of are on shaky ground when you pass it. I mean, when you place it on the ballot in any other year, but presidential election uh, days. So That's a good point. Let's bring in neoliberal tears. Neoliberal, just got to unmute. I know you've been waiting for a minute. Hey, besties. Uh, can you hear me okay? We can hear you. Hey. Um, yeah, okay. So... Um, I'm still throwing in my head the idea of like, who do we pick for vice president? Just cause it's like, um, it's kind of, it's a, it's a fun thought experiment. Um, but, uh, I agree with you, Savvy. I think Kucinich is probably a solid choice, um, in terms of like, he was in Congress for 16 years and he went against, um, the Libya war when Obama was in office and it was under a democratic administration and, He's someone that showed a lot of courage. Um, and also, I think who uh, a president picks for vice president sort of signals what kind of an administration they want to have. So Biden picking Kamala was very deliberate. It was sort of a signal to Wall Street um, and the donor class that, like, this is what it's going to look like. Um, and Obama picked Biden to signal to his donors <laughs> that, um, you know, of what, what sort of what, what his vision was and how he was going to run, run the show. Um, so who he ends up picking will be telling God help us. Uh, let, let's not give Tulsi <laughs> that. Um, and I also agree with you about what you said that we need to hold RFK to account with the Palestine question. Um, the same way we did with Marianne. If he pulls a two state solution shit, <laughs> we, uh, we won't have that. I agree with you 100%. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Um, uh, we have better standards now. Um, See, I would ask that question. That's the thing. I would ask that question. My questions are not going to be that much different. Well, it might be a little bit different, but if I ask someone a question about foreign policy, I'm going to ask the other person about that same question about foreign policy. Amen. And, um, I got, a, I, so I finished the, uh, the full broken points interview with, um, RFK. It's 49 minutes, guys. Um, so just buckle up. Savvy, guess or guess how many times 
they asked him about war or the CIA or any of that. How many? Zero. Zero in 49 minutes. Like they went on, actually, um, they went, like Sagar was really pushing nuclear hard. He was like, you know, why wouldn't you like, look at this. And um, RFK was really knowledgeable. I mean, I don't know shit about sh- anything nuclear, but he was like saying that it's, you know, like all of the uh, toxic waste that comes out of that. And it's actually way more expensive um to produce then solar or wind. Um, so he was kind of like shooting Sagar down, but they went back and forth about fucking nuclear for like 20 minutes. Wait I a mean, minute, I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The interview is only 49 minutes. It is. It is indeed. No, Bree, Sabi need more time. <laughs> you need more time with broken points. You need more time with Crystal and Sagar. That's another thing. And Johnny was um, making me laugh in the chat. Crystal, you've never, you would have never seen her. So this is the first confrontational interview that broken points has ever had. Like Marianne has been on there. How many times? A trillion fucking times. Every time it's like, you know, how are you? Like, why don't you lay out? Where do you think we are in this moment? And where do we go from here? I mean, in this one, she was like, listen, I'm skeptical of what you have to say because of your vaccine stuff. How would you convince people like me? And there are a lot of people like me. Like she was like real. She was turning into a real apparatchik. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because like I like his stances better than Marianne's. I- I'm I'm saying it because it was kind of funny. Um, so I would love to. Yeah. But I would say too, like this is what happens when the per- one of the people that are running is your friend. You're going to back your friend. That's just usually how it goes. Unless you're Elizabeth Warren and you like to stab them in the back like a fucking snake, you're going to back your friend. That's just how it goes. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah. But no, I didn't mean like more minutes from more time for breaking points. I mean, like for myself, like I would need more time for an interview, like 49 minutes. Like, oh, no. Do you know how many questions I have? you have and you have amazing questions yeah the interview i did with norm finkelstein by the way that was only supposed to be one hour okay so i know he likes to talk a lot so i only had five questions that was it (laughs) next thing i knew i was like oh my god this is going into like an hour and 30 Uh, minutes i'm gonna say i'm gonna say something like norm no offense but like, I don't know who needs to give him this like criticism. Maybe it's me because he doesn't know me. Like, sometimes it's good to let other people talk as well. Like, you have to you have to be aware of how long you're taking. Um, very thoughtful, very interesting conversation. Like, am am I wrong? Am I is this elder abuse for me to say that? No, because I just feel like it's it's a little self awareness, right? I felt the same way, little. but he does that in every interview. I think I have a problem with you criticizing me. Stop, Roger. You guys, Roger, what is up with you tonight? Why you, you, is this Roger comedy hour? Roger was putting in super chats tonight, Neil Lib. He was cracking jokes on RFK Jr. Because RFK Jr. said, well, my faith leads me in a direction. And Roger was sent a super chat. Was like, did his faith, or maybe that wasn't you, Roger? Someone no, said, that was me. Did that his was faith me. tell him to vote for Joe Biden? Like it was just. <laughs> oh, that's fair, though. That's funny. 
I mean, I I hate that too. Didn't Mike Pompeo also say like you know, oh, I'll like you know, God told me not to run for president, so I'm not. Like, like, sir, are you saying you have a direct connect to like the like you know the Lord of that? Who does he think he is, the Pope? Yeah, I don't like that face. Let me tell you what that really means. His wife told him not to run for president. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it's it's also like. Like, even people who believe in God are like, come on, you know? Well, that's how Dougie happy got life, into happy um, Go ahead, Jonathan. Every time he ran, he said, that's how he found his angle, because he couldn't win. His, when he was in Texas, he could barely win a uh, dog catcher. But once he tapped into that evangelical base and said, God said to do it, all of a sudden he started winning, and he did the same thing. Well, we know he didn't win 2000, so, but that's how he tapped into the evangelical base. He said, God told me to run. God said, I, I think even Herman Cain did the same thing. May he rest in peace. And that's what they all started doing, saying God said to run. God told me to run. So it's, it's weird when people start doing that. And also, um, RFK said that he relies, well, he didn't say he relies on, but he was going to use Twitter. Did you know that Twitter just started to censor um, political um, opponents or candidates in Turkey? I did see that. So I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily rely on Twitter to help me um, (laughs) in my campaign because they have no problem with, well, who knows Elon? Well, Elon Musk is not in charge, but who knows what the new woman is going to do. Also, Norm Spiegelstein, I didn't see that interview that you did with him. Because I'm still not over the interview he did with um, Dr. Jamal Ball. Sorry, Dr. Jarrett Ball. I didn't give the man a whole different name. On Black Power Media. It was like, Jarrett Ball was trying to get him to understand. All this shit that you you wrote has been talked about in the discourse of black politics. And you haven't given no credit for all the work that they've done. And his ad thing was like, well, I can't read everything of it. But it's like, you're totally discrediting all the work that they have done to say, oh, well, obviously, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that has been said before. So um, that's why I've been really rushed to see the interview with Norm Finkelstein. But also, he does talk a lot, but he's aware that he talks a lot. That's one thing I do like. Well, I got him to admit that basically Bernie Sanders, like, the uh, the whole Bernie Sanders, like, movement or campaign was deceptive. And I didn't even ask him to admit it. I walked him into it. And those of you who saw it, I walked him into it. I was just like, yeah, you know, uh, he said he was going to, you know, we had the movement. We had thousands of people and like he just walked away from it. And so the movement died. And then, you know, we could have used those resources in other ways. But the thing is, like after he lost, he went back to being a senator and yada, yada, yada. So I walked him into it. And then he said, you know, Sabrina, you're right. You know, like, um, you know, Bernie Sanders did not. He said he was starting a revolution, but there was no revolution. Oh, now you can, you can imitate him, but not me. He said, he's like, the Bernie campaign was very deceptive. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, like, okay, guys, you see, it's not me just saying the shit. 
I, I walked him into it because I had a debate with him before that interview. You won't see it until like June. There's a conference that's being held on Plebity's uh, channel. So some of the things were recorded prior. But I had a debate with him about some of the shit that he said during the interview that he had with Aaron Mate. And I told him, I was like, you sat up there. By the way, I was invited to do this debate. I say, you said to Aaron that white people are just a smidge above black people. And I'm going to debunk that right now. And so I started off laying out just a bunch of statistics. And he was like, well, Sabrina, I know. I realized that. I talk about it in my book. And I was like, but Norm, that's not what you said when you had that interview with Aaron. And thousands of people saw the interview. So you misled thousands of people. And that's the problem that I have. So yeah, for those who are not aware, we had a heated exchange before we had this interview. So it's funny, you're going to see the interview, excuse me, you're going to see the heated exchange, the debate after this interview, even though that took place before the interview. But at the end of the debate, we came to a place of agreement and I was like, okay, I think we agree on more issues than I realized. I was like, but you have to understand, people don't know what you mean, people know what you say. So I shouldn't have to go out and buy your book to see what you really mean when in an interview you said this. That was my problem. And that's the shit that pisses me off. So I will, of course, I'm going to double check out that interview. Also, now, if you can get, you got him to admit that. Now, if you can admit, get, um, what's his name? Chomsky to admit that he's one bold bitch for saying ain't none of y'all business that I was hanging on everything, then you definitely know what you're doing. Because <laughs> that was, and then depend, to depend on Woody Allen. Oh, yeah, he was definitely on one that. I will not be reaching back out to Noam Chomsky anytime soon. By the way, he does answer emails. He answers all of them. But I will not be reaching back out to him because that motherfucker looks sus. And I don't have time for sus. I I don't have time for it. Like right now, he looking a little suspect. And I'm just like, whoa, maybe it's a good thing we didn't interview. (laughs) And... Also, like, the Chomsky stuff, like, was, it, it got weirder and weirder, like, even more, like, like, you know, it, it was saying that they, he met with, um, Ehud Barak, who's the former Israeli prime minister, and they were talking about BDS and how to crush BDS. Like, you know, or, and, and like, why? You know, Chomsky is the one that's been writing about Palestine for so long. Like, this is, it's actually weird. Like, not actually, not, not I mean, it's just, yeah, like, I think the, the idea that someone like him and that, this is why idol worship is, like, so, like, you know, like, sorry, Norman, like, however much you liked Bernie or appreciated Bernie because what it meant to you personally is irrelevant. Like, when when so many other people's experience has gone worse, you know, after the movement that he abandoned, it's beyond it at this point, you know, and it feels insulting to hear like, you know, oh, but Medicare for all is a popular thing now. It's a sold out concept. They completely co-opted it. Pramila Jayapal runs a, a pack called Medicare for all pack that helps train and recruit candidates. It's a scam now, you know. By the way, I never intended to bring up defund the police. That was not one of my five questions. But since she, he brought it up, I was like. Thinking to myself, like, let me talk about 10 demands. And Eric was on it. Eric was like, 
Let me pull up Tinder Man's website. I didn't even ask Eric to pull it up. Eric was just on it. And I was just like, okay, let's go over Tinder Man's for justice. And then he finally goes, Sabrina, I'm old. You know, I'm not going to change my way of thinking. No, that's bullshit. Like, I was being respectful to him. But in my mind, let me tell you what I was thinking in my mind. In my mind, I was thinking, no, that's bullshit. I'm tired of that whole excuse. I'm old and this is just how I am and this is the way it is. No, fuck that, motherfucker. You can still change. It is what it is. Go ahead, Brady. Brady. I finally made it in. I long time no speak. I got a lot of crazy news for you. And so I'm just going to try to make it quick and chronological and start with uh, the news in the subway and just say that that whole thing could have been avoided if everybody had a home with uh, some air conditioning, a refrigerator, some Internet access and some snacks, you know, um, whole thing could have been mitigated. And uh, I think it was uh, actually uh, Lysol who said, uh, force the snacks. <laughs> Everyone needs snacks at home. And uh Brady, that's exactly Brady, that's what I've exact- been trying to say. Exactly yeah, that. You know, Home. We would all be so much more chill. And it's yeah. such an easy goal. It's such an easy goal to achieve. You know, um all we need is a, a, a house with or even a fancy tent with some uh solar panels, some AC, and we have so much space out here in Texas. And as far as the plumbing goes, there's something Uh, reusable laying right at- oh oh Brady I think you're breaking up can you mute and then unmute oh can you guys hear Brady? Because I can't hear him. And I can't hear him. Uh, it sounds like his connection dropped. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was me or not. Um, beyond, phone. are you um, beyond anything else you wanted to add before I move on to Kirby? And I'll come so back to you, Brady. It's strange because I use this app all day without a problem until Bad Cookies starts talking shit. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, all of a sudden works. Sabrina, I'm back. <laughs> Y'all hear that? <laughs> yeah, we heard that part. We, I we, think we bad cookies put some that. bad cookies in my phone, dude. Like, I don't know. That's <laughs> it, it, weird. Um, but anyway, the pharmaceutical industry, back to the pharmaceutical industry. I think that they are selling expensive, toxic drugs. Act- Oh, Brady, cause I think psychosis and violence. And the sad thing about that, drugs. Oh my God. Brady, hon, I think. This is ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what. Oh, shoot. Okay, Beyond, anything else you wanted to say before I move on to Kirby? Yeah, I'll just say one more thing. Um, if RFK came to me and said, hey, give me some just like crazy outside of the box ideas, I would say then don't only pick your VP, but pick your cabinet. I want to oh. see you have in mind for each of those positions. And I don't care if you have to beg them. They had to beg George Washington. That's fine. 
there's nothing wrong with having somebody in office that doesn't necessarily want to be there. They're doing it because people want them to, not because they have got some like hero complex. Anyway, but that's the last thing I'll say. Pick your VP, pick your cabinet. Let the American people know what your plan is and who's and who's behind you. Anyway, thank you for your time. Um, that's it. All right. Thank you so much, Beyond. We're going to go ahead and wrap up with Kirby. What's up, Curb? Hey, Sam. Well, tonight I'm offended by many comments. I'm an old man with a Samsung phone. (laughs) And the app is crazy. It goes on and off. So if I get cut off, I won't keep you all up to hear an old man talk, okay? I'll just go on. But I... I don't plan to vote Democratic in a national election again, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't. Uh, I would vote for Trump if he just promised to legalize marijuana and uh, and actually, you know, wrote the executive order out and signed it before he got elected. I'd vote for him. So I just want someone who will do one thing that I think is reasonable. Stop the war, Medicaid for all, uh, reasonable wage for work, uh, and talk about the fact that we're all slave wages anyway. Did I disappear on you? No, but it's it's interesting that... Um, Could you hear me? I, don't... I, can, I can hear you, but your demands okay. are actually not far out there like those are very simple demands and i don't see why anyone cannot try to like meet those you know i agree um rfk is interesting to me but i don't know that i'd vote for him i don't know that i wouldn't vote for marianne i think she's way too weak but i've always told people that if 99 percent of us voted they'd start paying attention it wouldn't matter who we voted for so I, I believe uh, I've been a, a subscriber to Fred Hampton RBN for a long, long time. And you can tell Rome for me that it was he that made me subscribe because he said something like, keep to your damn white self. And I just appreciated his truth. That's awesome, Kirby. That's that's. Oh, uh, by the way, I'm 71. I came out of the closet in 1975. The reason I came out of the closet was not because I had great need, not because I felt oppressed, nothing like that. It was because I believed it was wrong, intellectually dishonest, not to, if someone asked me if I was gay, to tell them the truth. So the truth means a lot to me. And, of course, Obama disappointed me greatly, and I still voted for him twice. (laughs) I I hear you, Kirby. I think, Eric, I think you unmuted for a second. Were you going to say something real quick? I was just saying it just kind of shows you how screwed up our politics are, you know, that that I I think Kirby is is dead right. If you had a candidate who was really coming out strong on just, like, like one of those issues – I mean, Bernie went a long ways, you know, just pushing that stuff. And it just shows you how much, you know, everything is just just owned, you know, by the donor owners. 
Well, you know, Bernie used to be on Tom Hartman every Friday for like 10 years answering people's questions. And over and over again, people would ask him to run for president and he would say, no, no, I don't think I should. So I'm not sure that getting someone to run who doesn't want to run because it was it turned out he did not want to run for president. He changed, you know, like whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) Well, great disappointment. But, you know, there was something that Cy Hirsch said in an interview and it might have been on breaking points or it might have been what's that idiot show with Aaron Mate and uh, Halper. Uh, But he said, you know, they will threaten your children. And that's the truth. He came out of a meeting with the Clinton camp in the uh, first election with his head injured and he ran into a door. I've never believed that. I believe when they are push comes to shove, they will show you they're determined to stop you. And we have to have someone who doesn't have children, maybe someone who's got a real uh, collection of people who watch their back. Because they're going to come after them physically if they have to. I hear you. And um, I also want to mention, um, unfortunately, Tom Hartman is sold out, too. He's become more of a, he developed Trump derangement syndrome and has become more of a neolib. It sucks, but yeah. Yep, that that op sure worked out well. <laughs> they got all- yeah, it did. It did. Go ahead, Brady. I know you're waiting. Waiting. All right, we'll try one more time. And I was just going to bring up some things that I think we need to solve this whole problem. You know, I don't have any faith in American royalty or any saviors at all, political saviors for that matter. I have faith in in you guys and the people who love me. And that's not a whole lot of people. And frankly, I think we're doomed already. But something (laughs) I think that could help us is – Proxy parties, um, just new political parties that are better than the ones we've had so far, any of them. Um, and then uh, proxy candidates, you know, we just need new candidates, somebody besides the little handful of people we've been tossed. We can make our own candidates and we can start promoting them right now and we can just make it happen. I think that anybody that's worthy of the job should be promoted as a candidate and we should start hosting proxy debates meaning hosting our own debates uh, between proxy candidates and proxy parties, whether it's the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, anything else. I think it's time to start, you know, we're we're kind of past third parties at this point, so I just kind of refer refer to anything outside the false dichotomy as a proxy party. And I just think we need more of them, and we can host our own debates. And I, I mentioned some technology using infrared imagery, and AI to actually read people's thoughts. And a lot of people called me crazy, but there's new science out like just this week that they've been able to do exactly that to the level of actually deciphering sentences and full phrases from what people are thinking. Um, And we can potentially do this by scanning them with infrared as well. And Well, what about um, infrasound? That's just an interesting... That is not really something that's going to, as far as I know be a good medium for deciphering brainwaves activity? No, no, but for uh, planting in susceptible people's brains thoughts that they wouldn't have otherwise. 
I, I believe they're already using infrasound. That's not very progressive. That's a little more invasive than progressive. <laughs> I'm talking oh, about. Oh no, no, I'm um, not saying that. The, I'm saying the 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 fascists are already operating with that kind of thought. Yes, um, they absolutely use technology like that, and far beyond that, they can affect people's moods with uh, electromagnetic frequencies and stuff like that. It, it's it's pretty wild. Oh yeah. Uh, when you actually start looking at um, scalar, I'm, I'm I'm actually afraid to talk about some of the science because I don't want people knowing about it because it's just so damn dangerous and like, you know, it's kind of like it's nuclear information, so to say. But anyway, uh. I was also going to bring up, well, you know, those are some things that we, I have a proxy party platform that I'm working on right now that could really, it's pretty badass right now. If we can get a guy like Matthew Ho to hop onto the proxy, a, a platform like the proxy party platform, he would be unstoppable. And the platform could use some editing and also some better representation, which I'm working on. Hopefully I'll have somebody besides me to promote this idea here soon. And um, I was also going to mention an interesting Ali Alexander, who's a highly influential alt-right figure, if you guys aren't familiar, he had his own show. Oh, Brady. Brady. Ali Alexander, mic check. Did you guys get that news? Okay. Okay. Okay, so Ali Alexander had his own show here on Colin a while back. Highly influential alt-right dude. Had connections to Jack Dorsey, Milo Yiannopoulos, James Fuentes, Alex Jones, uh, Roger Stone. Almost got Donald Trump to show up at one of his events. Uh, but someone warned Donald Trump about it, and uh, they canceled it. And he was also working on Kanye West's presidential campaign. And during that time, he got in an argument with Milo Yiannopoulos. And Milo Yiannopoulos spilled the beans that Ali Alexander is a gay pedophile um, who's been trying to sexually exploit underage boys for years. And yeah. uh, that's yeah. after, after he spent years um, trying to accuse the LGBT community of grooming people. And so I'm just like so confused by this whole situation because I'm like – Okay, is he being, is he like controlled opposition? Like, did they like put him in a compromising position so that they can get rid of him if they need to, if he messed up? Is this like a Jeffrey Epstein thing? Like what Jeffrey Epstein was doing? Or is he just really, is this really just a crazy story? It's just like, it's hard to decipher reality these days, but it is a really interesting. Yeah, probably. It probably was. Yeah, I just looked him up and I saw that was the first thing that came up is that he was trying to like solicit like young boys is crazy. All right, Kirby, anything else? And I'm going to head out. No, I'm going to let you go. And uh, I, I didn't start following you till I saw you on RBN. And I appreciate you also, Sabby, a great deal. I like your ability to say very strong things in a very sweet way. Oh, thank you, Kirby. And have a good night and to all. Alrighty, guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm going to head out. Oh, oh, Jonathan, did you get a chance to say everything you were going to say or just want to check? Well, just one more thing. I was checking, um, as I, I don't know if I told you, most of my adult life, I lived in Philly. And today was Philly's mayoral election. So I'm reading the CNN, this CNN article about who won, and I want to re- I want to read this quote to you. And I want to get your take on it. 
It says... Okay. Um, Gim, Helen Gim, said days ahead of the vote, which progressives were, which progressive were hoping would add a winning streak in the big city mayoral elections following Karen Bass, Los Angeles, Michelle Wu in Boston, and most recently, Brandon Johnson in Chicago. So what do you think about Michelle Wu being called a progressive? Well, that's what she ran as, but um, she's still in the the back pocket of like the real estate investors, you know, like she's progressive on some issues, but not on all. And she still like has that. She still has corporate America in her back pocket. And unfortunately, that's just the reality. And when it comes to like affordable housing, like she's fucking that up because again, like you can't sit up here and promise to people like you're going to make all these affordable housing units, but then at the same time, you're still, you're in bed with like real estate investors and, and they're building like luxury units. So those two can't compete. John, Jonathan. Yes. Did you see um, Sabrina's segment with uh, Peter Winslow on uh, the Philadelphia Public Bank? No, I did not, but I do remember I didn't watch it all the way through, but I knew when she said when this when he said Philadelphia, my my ears did perk up a little bit, but I didn't I think I was doing something at the time, so I didn't give it to I get I didn't give it my undivided attention. Go back and watch it. Okay. Because you have it. Yeah. You have it. But the thing is, is that your old mayor doesn't want to implement it because he wants old control over it. But he said that all of the mayoral candidates at the time are down with it. You talking about Jim Kenny? Said so Jim Kenny. I, I don't know. Just all I can say, just just some watch watch, watch the interview because it okay. passed by fifteen to zero. In this, no, you in said this old mayor, so I didn't know which mayor you was talking about. Oh yes, the Kenny guy. My bad. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, Jim Kenny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. I need. I still need to see if I can get the DA from Philly to come on. Which um, DA? Um. Oh. 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 The. The. Okay. I'm. I'm thinking you about. Know, I think about the one that's locked up. Oh. <laughs> oh you talking no, about? No. The. Larry Krasner. Krasner. Yeah. Larry Krasner. Yeah. The guy they tried to get rid of. Um. I could hit him up on um Instagram. Uh See if that works. Okay, and I can look at the um the Philly like you know just the city.gov site and get his email address. Um, but yeah, I've been meaning to like invite him on for a while ever since I covered that story about them trying to remove him, um, for not being tough on crime or, or whatever they call it. But I still need to try to see if I can get him on. Um, beyond, I'm gonna end with you. Just gotta unmute. Hey, um, yeah, just so kind of reiterating what I said last time, but adding like, so if you do get an interview with him and you wanted to say, so I got this independent voter that wants you to name your VP and name your cabinet. And here's a list of potential names. Some of them you're familiar with. Some of them may not be, you know, just to get a reaction, see what he does or says. <laughs> I'd be curious as a, as a voter. I want to know it gives it. I mean, how great would that be to have a year and a half? to get to know all the members of the cabinet and it puts the other, the other two candidates or whoever else in a very 
awkward position because who are they going to pick? Okay, he said he's going to pick this guy. Who are you going to pick? That's a good point. I think it puts pressure on them. And there's and with an ever growing middle, I mean, I maybe not pull out of the dem, the, the the Democratic Party just yet. Just kind of drop that seed of this is my plan. I'm going to start naming the positions of my cabinet. Right. It's outside the box. It's rogue. And with an ever growing middle, I mean, if you have to just call it fucking middle party. You know what I mean? And I am all about that rogue. Well, beyond, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm going to go ahead and head out. It is past my bedtime, but um, off tomorrow, I'll be back on YouTube Thursday. So see you guys till then. Good night. Peace. <laughs>